0: Gamer Nation, I'm Christopher West, D20 Radio Network sponsor, and I'm here to tell you that I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, which means GM Dave and GM Chris could get away with saying pretty much anything they like about me on the air, and I'd never know. I guess I better start listening.
1: Correctly with the correct amount of-
0: D20 Radio, your gamer's role. www.d20radio.com. Broadcast live on D20
2: Radio's Justin TV channel, you're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you
0: by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and MapsOfMastery.com.
2: What's up, gamer nation? GM Chris here, and it is oh gosh, August third at approximately oh, uh, <laughs> uh, at approximately seven fifty-seven in the PM. And if you are tuning in for the very first time, this is the Order sixty-six podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role playing. And uh, I have with me my compadre, my cohort. I'm running out of I'm running out of like things to do you know what i mean like like how how else do i introduce you
0: i i i really don't know at this point um at this point it's starting to just become a chore so perhaps simplest simplest is best okay how about
2: my co-host gm phil
0: there you go how's it going gamer nation and uh man i'm happy because it's one month closer to gen con but where the hell did july go
2: yeah i'm kind (laughs) of wondering that question too um Whew. July kind of snuck up on me really bad, and uh, yeah, it just it just kind of hit. Um, and everything is just in preparation for Gen Con at this point, but I know we're going to talk about that. So yeah, it's just it's crazy.
0: <laughs> well, if it's crazy, we might as well embrace the crazy.
2: I, I'm all about the embracement. Is that a word? It is now. Embrace, embracement, embracements. I'll tell you what. Let's embrace some announcements.
1: Yeah. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Announcements!
0: Announcements. Uh, getting to the podcast of the show, continuing their excellent game advice and long-running live play sessions of the most epic Dawn of Defiance campaign, the Threat Detected podcast continues to bring Star Wars goodness to the masses with release of episode 56, Absolutes, which continues their saga. Highly entertaining, highly infectious fun. Go check it out. And you can find that and many other great podcasts over at www.d20radio.com. Word.
2: Word. And while you're perusing the interwebs, be sure to head over to FantasyFlightGames.com to check out some of the coolest news on this system that we are podcasting about. Recently released article, Filbert, gives us another preview of the upcoming Onslaught at Arda1.
0: That is right, chris Amatic. Uh
2: This adventure module is forthcoming. Obviously, the first first published one for the Age of Rebellion uh, line, um, or at least standalone published. Obviously, we had the one that came out in the DMG. Mm-hmm. Um but this new preview is really cool. Um they had one previously. This is a new one. It talks about using Onslaught at Arda with Edge of the Empire. Yes. Uh, and also how to actually insert it into an existing like long running Age of Rebellion game too. It's um it's pretty slick. Uh so be be sure to check it out again www.fantasyflightgames.com.
0: I'm I'm really enjoying the uh the the books that in each book that comes out a little uh in order. They get a little better each time. It's kind of creepy, yeah. It, it's really like they—they found their—they've got their feet under them. They've—they found their their path, and they're just going. I'm really enjoying the books. They're getting a lot more useful with each and every passing one. I know. Um, I'm
2: like okay. So they, I know we're going to talk about this in future episodes, but in in the Dungeon Master's Guide for Age, um, uh, you know, our good friend Keith Cappell, who who wrote it. Um, he uh, he talks about like like mass combat rules, but mm-hmm. apparently they're really going to get fleshed out heavy in uh, Onslaught
0: of Arda. So I'm I just I'm just I can't wait to pick it up. So and that's a reason for folks to buy it, even if they weren't planning on running the adventure. Damn Skippy, damn Skippy. So so uh, we, we had, had a, a little bit of a sneak attack.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> just just a bit, man. And a liner we, we had to play homage with a liner at the top of our show. I guess
0: very good. Of what do you speak, sir? Uh, I speak of the highly successful Kickstarter by Christopher West, God patron uh, patron saint of the Order sixty six podcast.
2: No kidding, I mean uh, he, he raised over sixteen grand in two weeks. In the, in the time our last episode aired till before this could air, we didn't even get the chance to pimp it. Right. It 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 started, it ended, and
0: uh, at four times its funding goal. So I mean, if if real life hadn't happened and we had kept to the same show anyone who just listens to the podcast and the recordings that come out, they wouldn't even have had time to order
1: yeah.
0: um, they may have had an hour or two because yeah. he started it on Monday after we did the last show and it ended this past Monday, two weeks and he he banged it out um, I was happy when he reached the first funding goal I wasn't actually sure, it was for his distant outpost in case folks don't pay attention to the Twitter feeds and yeah. Facebook pages for us and if you don't, why aren't you? We're gonna, yeah we'll, we'll chastise you on that in a bit anyway. um uh, but I wasn't sure who was going to. I, I was glad because I do a lot of my stuff online now, and or at least through Map Tools or, or uh, uh, Roll Twenty. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was going to get the video fi- the, uh, the the video files for his distant outposts, all four quadrants of the space station. But I wasn't sure if we'd actually be able to get uh, p- uh, enough support to get all four of them actually printed. And he did. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. So there's these four, I mean,
2: how big are his maps? Well, like 40 by 22, I think?
0: 34 by 22. 34. Standard uh, tournament for uh, yeah, yeah. the old uh, minis game. So these are th- four 34
2: by 22 inch maps that yep. um, like all fit together to make one giant space station. Yep. And then fit together the other way to make a brand new ship. Which is hilariously <laughs> that's, awesome. That's incredibly awesome. And there's like a cool facility on, and on the back. Anyway, I just huge congratulations to Christopher West, sir. Thank you know, congratulations again. Thank you for the continual support you've given this network and and big congratulations to you, sir. Um, guys, obviously those maps are in production now. Chris has actually promised to have them ready and available for purchase by GenCon. Mm-hmm. Um, so in very short order, uh, here in just a couple weeks, they will, should most likely be available, um, any excess copies that aren't sold, <laughs> <laughs> already um, time. uh, uh, at Gen Con, um, will probably be available at his website, which is maps of mastery.com. So go check it out.
0: And speaking of Gen Con, uh, <laughs> 10 days, 10 days. Ten days, ten days. Uh, yeah. Oh ten days, and I will be in the middle of Spaghetti Factory with the gamer nation in attendance. Man, Gen Con, Gen Con. This is this is your first. This is my first. I'm I'm stupid excited
2: for it. I am uh, I'm I'm kind of thrilled. It's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool. Um, I'm very. This is kind of a bittersweet Gen Con for me. I'm very excited to go, but we found out um, on Thursday that Twi'lek Goodness, my wife, um, mm-hmm. will not be able to attend this year. Um, and we had, we had planned on it but she got a new job and it's yeah. it starts on the 11th <laughs> she, she and it's it's a phenomenal job she can't you know she she she's like yes yes I'll take it so um it's it's unfortunate I'll be there I'll be there sans twelek goodness and i'm i'm mm. kind of bummed by that but it'll be it'll be cool i'm i'm most excited like you said we, d20 radio for listeners who are going to gen con and don't know yet because you maybe don't follow us on the social medias uh we are going to have a huge d20 radio meet and greet the wednesday night prior to gen con that wednesday okay it's going to be at 7 p.m at the old spaghetti factory now we do have limited seating there's only at 50 seats um and there's a lot of people already coming if you would like to attend please email the, uh, the, 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 co- the, the other co-host of the show who's actually organizing it, and that would be GM Dave. Email him at gmdave at d20radio.com, subject line, D20 Radio meet and greet, and tell him you're going to be there, your name, and how many people you're bringing, and, and we will get space reserved for you. Uh, so if you can hear the sound of my voice, do it. You have two weeks. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and Go. Yes. Now Phil, um obviously at the convention we you know we have a lot of listeners that are going to be there like we always do. And there's you know we organize events and they're usually on the fly. We tend not to register them because we want we want our peeps to play. <laughs> yes. yes. Um so so what is the standard way in which people you know typically uh you know uh, get the news out uh, and 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 and, and about, about about games that might be happening perhaps of the pickup variety?
0: Uh, the best way to do it is to keep an eye on your Twitter feed. Uh, d- at D20 Radio uh, will be the main ve- uh, main vehicle that we use to get those announcements out. Uh, we'll go into that a little more detail later on, but uh, yeah, keep an eye on your Twitter, uh, Facebook, only because it mirrors the Twitter feed for some of us. Yeah, and uh, that's that's where you will know what's going on and uh, how much time you have to get your ass to wherever the game is going on. Yes, even if you don't have a smartphone, you can go to Twitter and you can sign up. If you
2: don't have, even if you don't do Twitter, just sign up and follow at D Twenty Radio. You can configure even for the brief two week period of now, or maybe just that one the, the four days of Gen Con. You can configure your regular non smartphone to receive text messages from your Twitter. Uh, feeds from what's receiving and if you've only subscribed to d20 radio and that's all you're following that's all you'll get if i make a tweet about a game it will show up on the d20 radio feed if dave makes a tweet it'll show up on the d20 radio feed if phil makes a tweet it will show up on the d20 radio feed yep so that's the best way to know guys so we, we we can't wait and we look forward to seeing you all at gen con
1: yay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, on that note again of course as we said guys stay in the know in general not just gen con related um, get social medialized and follow d20 radio on facebook's obviously for news podcast info on a regular basis and you can of course follow us on twitter at d20 radio or individual accounts if you just want to have kind of our private musings i'm at gm chris i am at darth gm done. And we uh, obviously post and tweet show info and other kinds of nuggets uh, pretty regularly. So follow us if you would like to. (sighs) Well, Phil, um, we have a episode of The Moderator. Fantastic. uh, That we are almost definitely going to step into now. We will see you guys on the other side in about five minutes before we move into one of the longer shows we're probably going to have in a while and we'll talk about why in a bit. And (laughs) we'll see you guys on the other side in about five minutes.
1: Greetings, and welcome to the workshop. We're glad you could make it. There is much to talk about. From gizmos to giz, we can help you with all of your mods, all thanks to the moderator.
3: Give me just a moment here. Hey, I said i turned it back on, didn't I? And don't do that, you'll just hurt yourself. Uh, go put some ice on it? aren't many a thing, from just protecting you to aiding in other tasks. It has many a use and if you're smart you know how to make the most of it to avoid fights altogether. Skills or tasks can be enhanced with this protection in ways you didn't even imagine. Now let's examine a few and see what we can do to optimize our armor while having our armor optimize us. They say that clothes make the man, others say that they believe what they see. Both of these tenants can be used with armor to gain some advantage over others. If you're wearing a specific type of armor related to a type of work, then people are believed you're naturally capable of that. An armored flight suit will help others believe you're a pilot. Mountaineer armor will say you're a survivalist. Protector armor says you're a badass. Another person's armor, say a stormtrooper, says you're one of them. When you can guide a person's reactions of what you are, you lead them away from what you're not. Armor can make you look very impressive. If one wears the right armor in the right situation, it can add to their presence and make them much more intimidating. Protector armor does this against most unarmored foes in non-combat situations, as it makes them feel vulnerable should things go sour. Adding cosmetic modifications, such as spikes, skulls, or other adornments, will make you look more dangerous in and out of combat situations. Be careful of this. At least one person has mounted their armor with spikes only to sit down in a chair, have it pierced in dozens of places, and not be able to get back up again. His opponents lost their fear of him and robbed him while he just sat there, struggling. Armor can make you look very impressive. If one wears the right armor in the right situation, can enter their presence and make them much more intimidating. beast tight armor is known for doing this, but also makes the person look primitive in most social situations on a more advanced planet. Protector armor does this against most unarmored foes in a non-combat situation, as it makes them feel vulnerable should things go south. Adding cosmetic modifications such as spikes, skulls, and other adornments will make you look more dangerous in or out of combat situations. Be careful with this. At least one person has modded their armor with spikes only to sit down in a chair, have it pierce the chair in dozens of places, and not be able to get back up again. His opponents lost their fear of him, and robbed him while he sat there, struggling. Putting on armor designed for a particular task or terrain leads to the idea that you're proficient in that subject. If a character wears mountaineering armor, one would think they could scale a cliff or a wall. Should characters dodge such gear while negotiating for a related job, grant them a boost die. If trying to use deception to convey the idea that they're capable of such things, grant them a boost die in this as well. It can vary from job to job and armor to armor. If armor is totally unrelated to the work, consider penalizing them with a setback die to show doubt in case of extreme paranoia. Party donned in mountaineering armor would not lead to the idea that they are well-versed in scuba diving and underwater terrain. Uniforms make excellent impromptu disguises. In any situation where there's a large number of personnel, say over a hundred, it is quite conceivable that no individual would know everyone else. Only if names with faces can be related to each individual set of armor would such a disguise immediately fail. Be wary. Armor that is mass-produced, say Stormtrooper armor, may not universally fit everyone. and a Thorian would have no chance of deception, while a human might come off as a little on the short side from a Stormtrooper if they're under six foot. Armor that has been adorned with spikes and other pieces to make it more intimidating, runs the risk of becoming more cumbersome. Consider changing normal terrain into difficult terrain should it seem that the armor would catch on the local environment, like vines or tree branches. All of this can cause characters to expend additional maneuvers to move about in combat. Well, I hope that gives you an idea of the uses of armor, besides protecting your hide. Now, I have to go and see an old Jawa you about trading a less than useful droid I bought. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Wacky. <laughs> Greatly appreciate it. It's a we fun always b-
0: appreciate those bits.
1: It's
2: a it's a fun bit. It's a fun bit. He does a, He does a good job with it. So,
0: um, all right, dude. I mean, I'll I'll turn it over to you. I guess with 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 this right here. I think that's a good plan. I think that's a great plan here. Uh, me interviewing you. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Oh, oh, yes. I'm I'm worried. But let's
2: let's kick this off in in the traditional fashion.
1: Let's.
0: Tonight's topic of discussion has been one we've been excited for for quite some time, and I've been wanting to do for ever. Uh, perhaps summed up best by an email from Eric Shield, who writes, "I've listened to Order 66 since the old days of Saga Edition and loved the show. Soon I'll be going to my first convention, and we'll be running the new system, and I'm writing my first module. But aside from the published ones, I'm not sure where to start. What advice can you give me? Thank you, Eric." Okay, so here we are at the beginning of August. We're in the middle of convention season. It's a time when gamers from across the country are converging on Indianapolis, Columbus, Seattle, Atlanta, or any number of cities across the nation and around the world to meet and play a variety of games. These conventions offer a variety of adventures for those looking to role play with their fellow gamers. But running and writing for these adventures can be very different from gaming with your hometown crowd in your regular gaming group. You're dealing with a limited time to play, unfamiliar players, outside distractions, conflicting schedules, a host of GM pitfalls which may find which may be fine in home games but not always appropriate for gaming in a room surrounded by other tables of gamers. <laughs> we also have the unique opportunity here on the Order 66 podcast. I, as we've mentioned, am attending Gen Con for my first time and I've designed a module to be run at said convention. Yay! In many cases, and in many, many senses, I am feeling Eric's worry. So here I have Chris, who has been running and writing convention modules for years. So Chris, I would like to ask you and have you do your best to impart the ways of the con mod tonight on the Order 66 podcast. So grab your pencils and pads, Gamer Nation. This is going to get dangerously educational
2: <laughs> so guys phil came to me with this idea and i thought it was interesting and i hope i don't pontificate too much but i'm too late so so what am i am i am i your guest for this show i guess is this you are my guest for this show that's that's impressive okay we have completely turned things around <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is my show
2: this is my show this, this, All is, right, my, so... this is my show
0: we really should start this off with a disclaimer. Um, yeah. Chris will be discussing the plots of many of the modules he's written. If you have not played a particular module that we talk about in the next however long this takes, you have been warned. <laughs> <sighs> Just as the music ends, it's perfect time to kick this off. So, you find yourself going to a convention like Gen Con. Yeah, You find yourself bit... By a particular bug. A bug that says, gee, I'm meeting all these people for the first time. We've talked about games online. We've talked about games in the community for years. I sure would love to run a game for some of these folks and kind of show them what I can do. And that actually kind of leads into my first question. Why am I running a module at a convention?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, because it's fun?
0: Oh, there's an answer. <laughs> um,
2: uh, I mean, you, you got to enjoy doing this if you want to do it. I mean, that's why, really. Sure. But uh, I think, just personally, um, yeah. I, I, I will tell any prospective GM who wants to or maybe is, is afraid of running a, a module at a convention, running for players that you don't know or haven't game with before in such a fast-paced setting where you have a really hard time limit, um, it it really does make you a better GM. Um, and as I've come to, I've come to discover in the past couple of years in this system, especially because you are forced to learn how to narrate and adjust on the fly. And it's really just a crash course. Sure. Um, um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to, to write a module that will be successful, more successful than others in that venue, but you'll learn so much and, and you will become a better GM for it. Um, public, public play is,
0: is tough and it's worthwhile. I've experienced a little bit of that just from the player side, but I can only imagine the, how on the ball you've really got to be and how not necessarily a command of the rules as much of a command of confidence of just running the game and the ability to say just, you know what, I'm running this game, it's going to be fun. And, and like I've, I heard you say before many times, Chris, I may not have the rules right, but I'm going to do the rules that would make most fun.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: that's, you know, and we we may very well talk about that. When you're actually playing, there's some things you can do. We've spoken about
0: before, like setting the stage. But, but, uh, yeah. So, let's get into it. You've decided to run it. We've decided to run the module. You've decided to run something at the con. Okay. That means first step is writing it. Yes.
2: (laughs) Typically (laughs) speaking. (laughs) Unless Um, you're playing Fiasco,
0: then you're good. No, that's true. That's, uh, yeah. come utterly off. The, or you're J. Little. Or you're J. Little, and you can just do it off the cuff because you're a badass. But other You, you than, uh, just yeah. sit down with dice and a brain and just rock it. Yes. Um, so what are some of the things that you really need to consider about when writing the module that you're going to run? Um, the first is what time do you have to run it in?
2: Good point. Good point. Um, con game sweet spot typically is about four hours. Um, okay. That, that should be your goal. Um, I've, I've run games at conventions before Phil, where it's a convention that, that the event organizer clearly has, is not an RPG or, and that's, that's not uncommon. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, especially like at a convention like table or, um, even ReaperCon to an extent, you know, where, where the focus of the convention is either board gaming or miniatures or whatever, you know, the, the, yeah. hard, the hard, working, hardworking, dedicated volunteer who's organizing events maybe has never RPG in their life. And so they're like, Oh, two, three hours, you know, that, that, that's <laughs> not enough. Um,
0: <laughs> not typically no, no.
2: So, four-hour sweet spot is your goal, and it's really what you should be shooting for when writing a mod, even if they give you a five-hour slot. Um, okay. But, you, should, you, know, you know, maybe because maybe you finish early, maybe you run a few minutes long, but 90% of the time, you're going to do four hours.
0: That's what you want. Aim for four hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, what are some of the objectives that you should, you know, if you had to, make make a list saying, okay, I'm writing this module, time to play. Four hours is your target. Uh, what are the objectives? What, what, what should we be going for next?
2: Uh, the first thing, um, the first thing I, I think about is, is the play style of the module.
0: Um,
2: okay. I, I don't think people think about that. They just like I'm going to write an adventure. Um, but if if if, a, if you tell a writer of any stripe, you know, okay, I, I want you to write something. It's like, okay. What do you want me to write? I want you to write a book. Okay. <laughs> okay, well that doesn't. Okay, do you want it to be a mystery? Do you want it to be a romantic comedy? What do you, you know? What do you want it to be? Um, and from parallels for the RPG world, I mean. I don't think a lot of people think about this, but it, it's just incredibly important. Most very successful modules they follow a design formula of play style in that module. It's designed to focus on something okay. um, like, and I'm sure you can, you can help me out with some of these, man. Like, uh, like intense combat.
0: Okay, uh, of course, of course, because okay. because violence solves everything.
2: Totally. Um, uh, heavy role playing and character development is another play style. I, I don't. Yeah, but is that really good for a con mod? It's possible, but I don't recommend it for a one-shot con mod. No, Um, but I mean you can do it. You just need to, as we'll talk about, you need to be very upfront that that's what it's about. Otherwise, you're going to get some very bored players.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Um, Oh, there's one. Uh, Puzzle solving.
2: Yeah, yeah, and strategy. um, Yeah, dude. Whether it's investigation, uh, which is a very popular theme lately in modules, um, or like like uh, even 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 if it's combat focused, like combat planning. (laughs) <laughs> like, think, think of think of a module that's all about, like, the, the nitty-gritty of Mass Effect 3, where you're having to unite forces and to prepare for a massive battle in a war, you know what I mean?
0: Sure, um, sure.
2: When the mass combat rules come out for age, you know, uh, uh, I think we might even see even more of that,
0: but yeah. Could be, could be.
2: Um, I, I mean, I, ideally, Phil, I think there's, and you don't have to stick to one of these things, or there, I think you can do a balance, right? yeah yeah but, yeah, but regardless of, and I think some of the best modules do, but but regardless, I think it's best to set the expectations for all of the players, and you set that very specifically, like um, either before the adventure starts at the table, obviously, um, but if you're going to be advertising this event or putting it into a, an event catalog of any type, mm-hmm. um, you need to include a snippet or a sentence that gives people the understanding of what the theme is going to be.
0: Okay, so for example, let, let, let's use the module that I'm going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at uh, what we've got uh, on the table, I, you're saying that I should—I could. I, one of the ways I could start off the uh, the, the session is saying, "Okay, folks," or even the invite out and announcing the game. All right, folks, this adventure is going to be initially a investigation type module that has has the potential the very likely potential of escalating into an intense combat session. Yeah. High danger, high uh high, high hilarity threat, you know, high high threats, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh uh you know, this is going to be a, a super action heavy adventure, guys. Um, you know, be prepared. This is going to be balls to the wall, nonstop danger, nonstop destruction. All right. If, if the module is not one where you want your players to stop and, and ponder the best way to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can, if you can get good at running that type of aven- adventure too, and you write one, you can usually squeeze an extra encounter in too, um, in this system, but we'll, we'll talk, yeah. we'll talk about that. But, right, I mean, but yeah, I mean, you you know, put put it in there. Um, the other thing too is from a playstyle perspective, and this kind of will come into what we're talking about a bit later. But the experience of your players is is will inform that too. Um, you know, all
0: right, experience how? No, what,
2: like, what like type of experience. How experienced are they with the system? So it's like okay, um, familiarity with system, the, familiarity. the system familiarity, and like okay. if, if if I publish a module like at ReaperCon, okay, I I ran a bunch of different modules and. Uh it, when i run when I ran dead man 's hand, it was mm-hmm. like um in their in their convention booklet, I would say you know this is this is an adventure suitable for beginners to the system if you 've never played this system before, don't worry about it. The system will teach you this this game will teach you what you need to know for for forgotten my trilogy my amnesia trilogy it was i, I put I put in the description you know uh, beginners are welcome, but this this adventure is designed for people that are already familiar with the rules of the game. Mm, um, okay. Because of the, the turn that particular module takes and it sort of turns everything on its head, you know, it, it's hard to have to deal with that and learn a new system at the same time. So, right.
0: Yeah. All right. So, what I uh, look thinking about my module, I would probably say that you would need. Uh, it, it, I don't know how suitable it would be for someone who's never played this system before. And as a matter of fact, in my playtesting, it wasn't. As I found out, one of my playtesters had no experience with the system at all, and she really kind of felt a little lost.
2: Yeah. There are so. thing, things you want to think about, um, and it, we'll talk about this in a bit, I'm sure, but like when, you're, when you're building your, your structure for your module, if you want to do a beginner game, that's fine, but there's ways to really help teach the rules quickly, things like an in-media res combat as the very first thing that happens, and you, uh, make, sure. and, and you make it sim- a simple combat, straight combat, you know what I mean, um, as something to, to get them understanding how the dice work, get familiar with it, um, you know, things like
0: that. Yeah, I remember your Enemy of My Enemy module, the first opening yeah. encounter. Yeah, I mean
2: you start boom in, in it's 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 immediately in media res and you've got one tough guy and some mooks. And and, and it's it's just straight combat. And and you know, it's, it's just um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons to do it, but one of the primaries and why I did that for why I specifically did that for Enemy of My Enemy is because after you spend five minutes explaining how the dice work, okay, now we're gonna put it immediately into practice after the opening crawl. So let's
0: talk a little bit about the complexity of the PCs. Um, and I suppose the, the, that kind of factors into how big a PC should you start with? How much XP? What XP range should your, your players be trying to assimilate and juggle in, what, the 5-10 the minutes they have before the game physically starts?
2: Yeah, man. Uh, okay, it's one of those things. I, I do think this directly correlates back to the question of are you designing this for experienced players or beginner players? Fair. Um, yeah, I can see that. If 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 you're designing this for beginner players, use beginner characters. Okay, starting okay. starting XP. all right? Um. Once upon a time, in prior systems and prior games, um, modules were designed with with CLs or ch- challenge ratings. You know, that were
0: in- this is appropriate for a level five to eight party.
2: Exactly. Um, but this is a levelless system. So how does that work? Does it even matter? Um, I, in my experience, I do, I have found that the sort of the, the average XP of the PCs, um, uh, can serve as, as kind of a wonderful guide to the the challenge of your adventure. Um, however, I, be careful and don't. It's not total XP. It's XP they've earned since character creation. Because if I'm playing a Wookiee right. versus a human, I've got a 20 XP disparity there. Yeah. So, um. I don't know, dude, honestly, in my experience, man, the most enjoyable modules I've run so far have been for beginner or zero XP PCs mm. um, uh, or, or maybe PCs with maybe 20 XP and earned experience where, you know, they got uh, they got a couple extra ranks and a new talent and, um, you know, it, it's light, but you don't have too many talents to teach new players. It just it works.
0: And you think that's why? You think it's because if if there's too many talents on the sheet that they have to try to figure out, you know what's going to be useful in one situation, and they may encounter a situation that I gave them a certain ability for, and they don't think to use it. That's
2: precisely. I, I've I have physically seen that happen, and I've seen that happen with beginner characters. So, you know, it, it, as, as a GM, you got to keep on your toes about that. But but the same token, it yeah, it, it's it's there and it, it helps. I just, you know, anytime you use
0: pregens, the less crap they have to worry about, the better. Mm. Something for me to think about for my next module is that <laughs> might be a little too late for this one. <laughs> so. All right. So we've talked about the players. Let's talk about when the game is. And this is more appropriate to Star Wars, but it certainly is applicable towards anything that you're running for a convention. Um, theme and era. One informs the other. Okay. Um, if, you've, if you have an era you want
2: to play in, that can typically inform a theme. Um, sure. And I, I personally think about the theme, and then I let that inform the era, typically. Okay. Um. Huh. So, like, uh, and I'll tell you what I mean. Like, um... Uh, let's talk about some of the classic Star Wars themes and concepts because whether you realize it or not, when you read a really good module, somebody something written by somebody like Sterling Hershey, okay, yeah, that's been that's been professionally published, um, you'll find an underlying theme in the adventure that any good writer will put in in any story they write. Um, Star Wars is full of them. They're really basic uh, th- things like just flat out basic good versus evil, okay. Um, as as a theme, okay. Which the basic was, plot line. The basic plot line of episode four. Um but there there's 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 like sub bullets to that, okay, which is where your PCs can really come in. They don't have to be these paladinesque good people. The enjoyment of that basic good versus the, the conflict in good versus evil is not good versus evil. The conflict and the interesting part about that theme is that you have morally neutral characters who are forced to pick a side. There you go. Okay, like Han Solo. Okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, just as an aside, I think it's absolutely hilarious that we start talking about Sterling, and he appears in the chat.
2: Hey, Sterling! How you doing, man?
0: <laughs> um, Speak, and he shall arise.
2: <laughs> and he's offered a great piece of wisdom, too. He says, with starting players, I don't hesitate to generally remind them that they may have something that might help in the situation uh, when I know they do. <laughs> when there I know they know. do, yeah. Little GM prompt. Yep, yep, and that's that's exactly correct. Um, so, I so, mean, basic good and evil. There's There's one classic theme.
0: Sure. Um, what else we got?
2: Um, one of my personal favorites um, is personal reliance um, versus uh, technology, or, or I should say an over-reliance on technology. And this is almost like instinct versus technology. Um, right. And that, that's, you know, and, and by instinct, that could be the force, it could be <laughs> self-determination, it could be whatever, but, but it's human versus machine or, or, or personal feeling versus machine is, is kind of another common theme. Um, and your players could be on either side of that, too, because because that, that theme, it's not necessarily like personal reliance is good and over-reliance on technology is bad. It could go the other way, too. Um, in the uh, Dead Man's Hand module um, I wrote last year, it was inverse of that, where the theme was really uh, instincts taken to a dark place, which is superstition, <laughs> okay? Right. Uh, versus technology or science, um, where you know the whole module is you know, leaving the pieces down a path of, you know, ghost pirates. Ah! <laughs> and then you'd come to find out it's, it's an insane droid. Basically it's running everything. Right. Um, right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, those are, those are two themes. I, I just love in the, in the classical trilogy.
0: I can dig that. I can absolutely dig that. Um, so what about, um, what about the common man versus the, 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 the society type thing? Oh, absolutely. Um,
2: you know, the the common people getting swept up in galactic events changing the galaxy, it's very it's very Star Wars. You know, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. It's often hard to capture that in a one-shot convention module.
0: Yeah, I was I was just realizing that just now. I mean, it it's
2: but but, but but that's the thing. These are these are themes we all think about when we write adventures, especially for our home games, you know. This is the journey I want my PCs to go on, but I've got 20 sessions to make that happen, right? Um, you know, as opposed to uh having it for a one shot module, it can it can be a bit harder to pull off. Um now related to that and and this isn't really this this could be good and evil or not, one of the things that's easy to pull them into um is the whole liberty versus tyranny um argument. And and kind of related to that is sort of the the firefly firefly effect. Um individu- mm-hmm. individualism versus authority.
0: Um you can play with that a lot in a single uh convention. <sighs> yeah that's module. kind of good and evil and yet not. Not necessarily. Yeah it would be kind of interesting to, to kind of put good and evil and turn it on its head for liberty versus tyranny. Absolutely. Um absolutely. again, I don't know if a, for a con module, but who knows. I'll, you put, it, I'll able... put it to this
2: way, is the corporate sector authority good or evil? There you go. Okay, cuz that that really is liberty, not tyranny. <laughs> it's it's mm. it's it's laissez-faire capitalism to the extreme sense. <laughs> Woo! So yeah, yeah, th- there's there's that. Um uh, another one uh, that relates back to uh, really that personal reliance versus technology or kind of being on one side or the other. I love this one, the quick and easy path versus doing the right thing. <laughs>
0: yeah, you can get some really interesting uh, reactions out of your PCs if, at, at cons when, uh, when you give them that choice. Yeah, um, and, we,
2: we, and we've heard a lot of great stories, but you know the, the idea is that you want to – I mean, I, I like to pick a theme. You know, what is going to be the underlying theme of this particular module? And it doesn't need to be overt, but it, it'll it'll resonate with your players days later, even if they don't even realize it or are able to put words to it. And that will that will typically, to answer your original question, Phil,
0: for me, that typically informs the era. Okay. So get a theme for you. Get yeah. a theme. Now, what era do you put it in?
2: Well, I mean, there's some eras that are just kind of... They, they scream theme, okay? If I'm talking basic good versus evil, if I'm talking swept up in the galaxy or liberty versus tyranny, it, you know, it's, it's all about rebellion era at that point, right? I totally. Mean, I mean, that's the era that screams those things. I mean, you can put those themes in any era, but there's some areas that are just very conducive to that. Um, uh, the quick and easy path versus doing the right thing, dark times. Mm. There you go. Because that, that's not, okay, we're not fighting rebellion, we're starting a rebellion, And that's a very hard decision to make because it's, especially in like an edge of the Empire game, it's like, I don't, I don't want to get involved in this.
0: And, you know, the quick and easy path versus the doing the right thing, I could also see as a KOTOR era, Mm -hmm. because especially if you start dealing with the times that happen around the old, the the MMO, the old Republic, uh, the Republic isn't always doing the right thing. They're trying to win the war. And sometimes it seems like through whatever means necessary. Exactly. Um personal reliance in, on technology
2: um you can put that pretty much in any era um oh, yeah. as as, oh, long, yeah. as especially if you're in the rim um if you're, if you're doing that um however if you do want to get era specific and you head to the new republic new jedi order era um and if you want to touch them with a 10-foot pole the Yus and vong are oh, kind oh. of tailor-made you know to be the um they're 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 the inverse of the borg when you get down to it yep and and it's, they don't assimilate they wipe out they wipe out and no technology all biology and so that's the dark side of that where it's it's per- pure personal reliance or biological reliance versus or a- against technology and um yeah you know it's it's a uh, so those are those are some examples of where you can you can you know but i, I typically let that inform inform the era but but man, the, like an alternative don't pick an era okay if you're going to write a module to run at a specific convention yeah you need to pick an era you need to set the stage right Mm -hmm. but if you're going to write a module to publish okay you don't necessarily have to pick an era especially if you're going to stick in the rim or write the module to be era agnostic where you know insert insert rebellious group X here and <laughs> authoritative dictator Y here. I mean, you could run in so many different eras. I mean, in, you know, and if you're going to write a one shot for public consumption, um, you may not, you may want it to be portable to any era. I mean, you know, using antagonistics that aren't era specific, you know, but again, I don't recommend that for a con module, but it's it's uh, or, uh, for a generic module that others, others may run that you're publishing. It, it is totally doable.
0: I was actually pondering that um, as I'm sort of looking forward, uh, looking after Gen Con, and thinking about the module and, and what becomes of it. I'd I'd pondered a sidebar or or, or an appendix on how to incorporate this into uh, another another era, in Rebellion era, or Legacy era, or or Old Republic era, even Clone Wars, Dark Times, and things that you could do to have that happen. So yeah, it it definitely. It definitely pays to be able to take something that you write. If you if you're writing it not only just to run at a con, but possibly share even afterwards, to be able to write it in such a way and have it come out in such a way that you are able to share it with other gamers and have them easily be able to s- drop it into their whatever game they're running and whatever theme they're running. Yes, and I mean, that, it's that's not it's not
2: easy to do, man. <laughs> We 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 tried to drop hints to you guys, all of you listeners, for a while. We're talking about set piece creation and the GM's holocron, um, but it's it's not it's, it's not it easy. Has to, to be do. tough. And the reason it's really not easy to do is because it requires a level of work on the part of the GM that most GMs do not want when they pick a pick up a pre written module. And it's like, no, I want to know what era it's in. I want to know. I, I don't want to have to do any work. I want to be able to pick it up, read it through once, and play. Yeah. And and that's and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the point, right? But again, also when we talk about this era stuff, be sure to include at least that when we talk about your adventure description. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You know. So
0: yeah. Okay. So we got the theme. We've got we we're writing the module. We're moving it along. Yeah. Let's get back to the PCs. Okay. (laughs) So we've already discussed like what okay what level are they going to be at? Now let's talk about how many. What is the ideal number of PCs for a convention mod? Five or six. Um, in my
2: personal opinion, with with Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, I've actually found five to be the sweet spot. Um, Ooh, interesting. Yeah, um, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but I I believe six is the proper expectation, and you need to shoot for six when you're writing a module. That's kind of become this universal player limit at the table now is six people, um, and you're you know you, you assume the table's going to fill up. Um, so I, I say, I say shoot for six, um, when you're writing it, but then again, I don't think the module should suffer if you bring it all the way down to four PCs, you should be able to modify just one or two things in the module, like maybe like one or two fewer threats in your encounters, whatever. And you should be able to make it playable with four PCs. Okay. Um, uh, three PCs, I think is too few. I don't think you should plan on writing a module for three PCs. Um, but I, I think I think you you shoot for five or six. Shoot for six ultimately. Um, try to get five at your table, <laughs> and right. and and be prepared to run with four. Does, does that answer your question in a completely non-answerable way?
0: <laughs> it does. It does. Okay. You know, three uh, three? No. Six hard cap. Idea. Sweet spot is five. Yeah. Which ironically lines up perfectly with the module I wrote. <laughs> that's
2: good, that's good, that's good. In Echo Base, in the chat right now, um, they're all they're like, yeah, 6, six is about as far as 1GM can handle at a time, generally. And generally. Generally, I would agree, yes,
0: yes. There are a sadists who run 8 at times. That's insane, those people are I <laughs> You have crazy. no idea what I was thinking, neither do I. <laughs> uh, I actually wonder how an 8PC group would handle this, considering I was somehow able to handle it in Saga for about a year. You could, and then just PC attrition happened.
2: You can do it. What I've found with this system compared to Saga Edition prior is that one PC's rolls can have the same impact on the story that two or three PCs could in Saga Edition. Um, gotcha. Because of the crea- the crea- the, mo- the the more people you have rolling, the more triumphs and despair are going to hit that table, and it changes everything. Oh, I can. I, I bet with a creative with a creative group who's willing to go
0: beyond just I crit him. Yeah.
2: It, it changes everything. So, yeah.
0: yeah. I'm seeing that now. Um, all right. So, f- now I'm going to ask this question. It doesn't really affect me, but it might affect others out there who are thinking of running. Sure. Because my module was the part of the reason why I wrote the module the way I wrote it is because I wanted to incorporate a certain set of characters. Right. So, in my modules, the characters are all pre gen. Is that the ideal though? Should you go with a pre-gen set of PC characters, or would you should you encourage your a, a module that has people bring their own? And, and what are the uh, what are the drawbacks to each? If you're publishing an
2: adventure for public consumption,
0: I'd say pre-gens are entirely
2: optional, and I don't. I, I think I think most published adventures are written with the idea that the player is going to come up with their own characters, right? Or yeah, or I it, think it, about Jewel of Yavin. I think about Beyond yeah. the Rim,
0: and, and I'm sure Onslaught of Arda. And yeah, and those it, are those are you know, you you, ha- you have your characters as you as you uh, you have your characters as you have them,
2: and those modules are written generically enough to be able to have all kinds of diverse skill challenges. Now, right. with with a convention module specifically, I personally believe that pregens are what you should do mm-hmm. uh, for two extremely important reasons. Okay, one, you as a GM can then tailor each of the encounters to the specific skill sets of your pregens. Right. This ensures that no PC has nothing to do mm-hmm. and that all the players can shine. And that's that's what makes a group of players really enjoy the experience. Um, the other big reason I want to I, I recommend pregen's for a convention module specifically is with FFG system and age and edge specifically, these characters, these pregens are going to have obligations or they're going to have duties. Um, or maybe both. And if you know what those are ahead of time, you can tailor the module to include each PC's obligations or duties as appropriate. Hmm. Um, It's also a great way to illustrate the, like, for example, okay, so, so dead man's hand. Okay. My, my ghost pirate adventure, right? All
0: right.
2: Um, You've played it. I have. Um, I, each PC has an obligation and there is a little sidebar at various points in the module where if one of their obligations triggers, and I think their group total is like ninety, okay. <laughs> so, so one of them is most likely going to trigger if one of their obligations triggers. It has its normal effects, sure, but a uh, triggered obligation. But, but, but more importantly, it has a direct impact to the story. Um, and there's something that changes about the module, okay. And huh. and I, and I call I call those out. Um, so like like okay in your in, when, when you play Dead Man's Hand do you uh do did we talk about it Do you remember whose obligation triggered?
0: Uh, I don't recall. Okay, so for exa- oh, oh, oh I want to say it was um uh the the captain's Captain Beard, Captain Beard. I'm trying to remember because <laughs> it was the uh the, the wasn't it the reporter.
2: Yes. Yes. I I think it was his... So, So that's the thing. It's like, there's this reporter character, and she can become a major nuisance to the party or a greater help. But the bottom line is, she won't bug you guys... Unless uh, the captain's obligation gets triggered, then she becomes a nuisance, right? And yes. that, that changes because he's he's famous, so that changes the, the narrative of the module. The, the one of the first fights in that module with with remember Belosh, right? Oh yes, um, oh yes. That that does not have to be a fight, and half the time I've run it, it doesn't become one. He doesn't push for violence unless the scholar's obligation triggers. <laughs> that was my character, okay. Um, you know, like, like if, if that obligation triggers, he won't leave the bar without picking a fight. You can't talk him down. You can't, you know what You know what I mean? It's like, it's going to escalate to a fight regardless of what the PCs do. Um, he's not going to take no for an answer. He's going to kick, try and kick your butt. Right. Um, uh, in uh, the, the other one that comes to mind readily was the droid. You know, the droid's obligation. He's carrying around all these old uh, inaccessible Jedi archives in his memory banks, right? Sure. So in the final encounter where you guys are assaulted by a hostile, you know, artificial intelligence. Um, if that obligation triggers, the droid gets scanned, and the artificial intelligence is like, oh, interesting. And at that point in the final climactic battle in the cargo bay of the, of the, of the, the droid pirate ship, um, he becomes the primary target, that little droid. They all go after him. <laughs> okay. So regardless of anything else. So those are little things like that where you just change the module based on... But I couldn't do any of that if I didn't
0: know what the obligations for the PCs were. Make sense? Right, right. Okay. So that's, that's why. You know, I really left that out with, with the module that I wrote. Because when I was writing it, I'm like, Oh, I don't, how should, how can I possibly incorporate these? And, you know, it doesn't really matter. And and now that you've talked about that, now that you've pointed out what you've did done for your previous modules, I'm sitting here pondering, Do I have time to add in those... <laughs> Because it really is, now that I think about it, it really is leaving out and not only an, an important element of the system design, but it's also leaving out an important role-playing direction if you don't have duty and obligation. Yeah. Where appropriate. Huh. So anyway, that's, that's why I recommend pregens, man.
1: I, 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 I don't think
2: there's anything wrong with allowing players to bring their own PCs, okay? Just make, make, make sure it's called out in the module. Uh, and and in in the in the in the convention intro um make sure that the requirements for the pcs are published okay starting x p books that are available, and so on and so forth what kind of equipment you get that 's typically more of a headache than you want
0: yeah, I mean when i 'm looking through the gen con mo- um schedule and looking at the ones that ffg is running they call out specifically that if you're sitting down in any of the ones that they're running you can oh you can also bring a character with 100 xp worth of stuff and be sure you only use this book or this thing and i'm just looking at that and i think about the other times that has happened in previous iterations of the game and i'm like what a cluster f what the what a potential for an absolute absolute nightmare yeah so pre-gens good to know yeah so, going along that line, if you're making the characters, if you're making these these PCs, the pregen PCs, how should you? What, what kind of mindset should you have? Should you do novice heroes? Should you do um, jack of all trades, or do you go pro from Dover for each and every one in a different area?
2: Again, this should be determined by the uh, first and foremost by the decision you make on that XP range for the module. Okay, I think what the challenge is going to be. Um, I think one of the beauties of this system is the fact that, as I've seen now time and time again, beginner characters can really be amazing at what they do. Right. Um, I mean, even even if you got somebody with with a hundred XP under their belt, they're probably going to have the same wound thresholds. <laughs> they're probably going to maybe, maybe maybe their wound or strength thresholds might increase by one or two, maybe with oh, the, with, yeah. the, with, the, with the right talents selection. I, mean, I,
0: I put on a boatload of XP on some of these PCs, and I'm like, wow, that really didn't raise your. Uh, yeah. Your your ability yeah. to take damage much at all?
2: No, not at all. This game is just as lethal for both sides, um, in, in early play as it is in later play. So honestly, I, I think I think that's a wonderful thing for an adventure writer to work with, um, because you can leave it simple with beginner characters and still have a really engaging encounter for your for your players to undergo. Um,
0: oh great, I've got three hundred XP worth of stuff. Well, yeah. that means that God that that yeah. battle droid over there with a the blaster rifle could still kill you. Yeah. easily
2: In terms of your jack-of-all-trades question, if you're going to make pre-gen PCs, also in my experience, I find it helps to have the majority of them be specialized. Um, Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, just because, okay, this is your role, right? Um, The whole give them something to do. Give them something to do. Now, having said that, it's often really useful for, um, try your best not to make them one-trick ponies um, so that they can at least be competent if they pull up a blaster pistol and fire it. Not necessarily that they're going to have all the crazy ass talents that you know a bounty hunter would to, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> but uh, sometimes you just got to shoot a guy. Sometimes you just got to shoot a guy. Um, so I, you know, for for the most part, there are always going to be exceptions. I, I always try to you know at least give them at least some sort of slight competency in a combat skill to where they've at least got at least got a green and a yellow. Okay, that's fair. Um, and and beyond that, um, I mean beyond that, yeah. There's not. I mean. Just, give them, just give them, give them some sort of competency in a combat skill. Humans, man, I will tell you that roughly half, if not more, of my pregens are always human, mostly because that bonus rank <laughs> in a non-career skill makes that task of making sure that they're competent in a combative area much easier.
0: Yep. Yeah. Totally see that. <sighs> okay. So that kind of genera that that kind of covers the 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 the, the pregame, we shall say. Covers the covers the making of the characters, setting where to set it, where, where to put your mind as far as writing it. Yes. Now let's, okay, so now let's get into writing it, story and structure. Okay. Um, and here's where my biggest hang-up is. If I'm going to be writing a module that's supposed to take place in a four-hour time frame with pre-generated characters, should I just accept the fact that I'm going to put them on a railroad track and send them off? <laughs> or should I write for more of like one of my friends? One one of my friends writes their games. Write a plot firing arc, not a plot line. I
2: I I personally believe you need to have some rails at a con game. Sure, but you have to be ready to account for the wiggles. Um, okay. Uh, <sighs> And I do that in a way that not every GM has to, and if you've read, read any of my modules, you'll understand what I mean, is that I cover every possible scenario.
0: <laughs> or you try to, anyway. Or, or
2: I try to, anyway. I, not, I, I'll, I'll say this confidently, 75% is covered, okay? There you go. All right, I expect them to go down one path, maybe they go down these other four, That, are, that and those four paths, or those total five, are going to comprise 75% of the time with the choices they'll make, so I know that I've got that covered 75% of the time. Um, okay. And and that's that's kind of that's how I do it. But it takes it takes a lot of work to do that. And I do that very specifically because of the fact that I don't want to have to stop down or hum and haw or do something half assed. I want to be able to have something I can pull from right away um, that's already laid out and fleshed out. Um, you can, but you know, it's like look at look at Jay, man. Look at Jay Little. I mean, the dude, the, the <laughs> dude, the dude gets a sheet of notebook paper, the alphabet, and a couple dice, and he can throw together a plot arc, have it wrapped up in forty in four hours. And, and the players have an amazing experience, but that's, that, that's a level of skill that really takes time to get comfortable with that level of narrative storytelling and, and game mastering.
0: If I have the chance to see that at Gen Con, I will consider myself lucky. Never mind, play that.
2: It's impressive.
0: Um, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. Okay, so stick to, the, st- stick to the rails, but allow for some drift. It's my personal opinion, yes. okay. So,
2: because seventy five percent of the time it works every time.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so what about opposition? Oh,
2: oh, look at Sterling running up! Oh, Sterling, he's one upping in the chat. Sterling's oh, like, oh, he says, "I've, I've oh, run, oh, I've off, run a post-it off a post it note." Oh, slap! <laughs> I, and and if it was coming from anyone else, I wouldn't believe them. But I would believe I would believe that from Sterling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um okay, so what about the opposition now? Now, because one of the almost as memorable as the the encounters that you have in the module can be the villain that you face.
2: Yeah, I think I, the villain is the first thing I think you should think of when you when you start writing. Um for for me specifically, cuz it, t- it tends to be the most memorable feature of a convention module. Um and okay, and also if I, if I may, um we're going to come at this. Convention modules are very episodic in nature. You know, it, it, rarely are they long running. Um, it's you know, you, you come, you leave, you're done. Right. Right. Everyone who's listening should go back and re-listen to episode 21. Um, last November, we here at the podcast did our very best to drop some serious knowledge about episodics, and I would say pretty much that entire conversation can apply to writing and running a convention module. So
0: dig it. Okay. Dig it. Go check it out.
2: Um. Okay, so villains. That's, what, that's right. what you asked, right? Villains, right? Um, m- make them memorable. Okay, uh, if at all possible. Um, distinct personality, um, unusual characteristics, RP quirks, maybe. Um, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, you don't have to meet this person in the first act. You might not meet them until the very end, but when you do, they're memorable there. I mean, okay. Do you, you recall when you were Skyping with me and playing dead man's hand, how creepy that rogue AI was?
0: Oh, sweet Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, man, those are some twisted, twisted sing-song nursery rhymes. You had that thing singing.
2: Yeah, and I mean, so uh, stuff like that. He has this, I mean, you guys will remember that character for a long time, right? Because he's so memorable. And you really only didn't meet him until the last 45 minutes of the game. But it's just incredibly, incredibly memorable. Um, so I would like to define the personality of my villain first and foremost, and because the villain is driving the conflict in the adventure and, and really why things are happening. The next thing you want to think about is why are they doing what they're doing? It needs to be a comprehensible motive. Basically. Why does the villain, why is the villain doing their villainous thing? Why are they creating the situation that's causing the problem that is drawing your PCs into the adventure in the first place? Um, I think, and this is advice that goes beyond con modules, man, your, your, your home game should have this. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Like, keep it real. Like, no villain ever does anything because he's evil. Okay, it's not. (laughs) It's not. It's not really good enough motive for really a villain with any depth, unless he's just
0: crazy. Okay, (laughs) which which is if you're running a module with Cobra Commander, you make him nuts.
2: I mean, well, you make him nuts. But Cobra Commander, he's not evil. He has a goal. He has a defined reasonable goal his motives are comprehensible he wants to rule the world okay
0: exactly it's not it's not incomprehensible it's like you know (laughs) it's not like this (laughs) or 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 you're right you're completely right i picked the wrong one the joker the
2: joker okay that is the number one i mean like it was it was (laughs) why are you doing this
0: because because I and think, that's it. That's, that's
2: it. the only reason he does anything. Because. And he is the exception that proves the rule. The reason he is so terrifyingly wonderful as a villain is because his motives are not comprehensible. Not at all. Okay, but but th- again, that's the exception, right? Um, exactly. You know, uh, you know, even even our little droid AI friend, he his motives seemed incomprehensible. But once you guys figured out what what was up, his motives all of a sudden made a little bit of sense. He just happened to be completely corrupted and insane, but it's like, oh, he was okay, <laughs> you know. Well, that makes sense
0: now. Okay, got yeah,
2: that. Okay, it's like, oh gosh, he he had no idea uh, how the galaxy had changed, and uh, he was just trying to be a pirate again. Interesting, you know. It, it's th- that's it. And the one piece of advice I love for flushing out of villains' comprehensible motives and distinct personalities, um, uh, and I guess uh, somebody related this to me, and it might have been Rodney Thompson a very long time ago. He said. Even the most villainous characters see themselves as the heroes of their own story.
0: Right. So that's again con- comprehensible motives. That's 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 got so, that that has some very ironic tones in for my module, and anyone who gets a chance to play it will find out why. Yeah, I can't wait. So we've got the villain; they've got their motivations. Yes how do we set the plot line in motion so um, as
2: is it kind of alluded to earlier man it, w- once once you've got that figured out and you want to start writing or outlining your, your 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 module conflict becomes a catalyst all right there's a reason you know players get involved because of some type of conflict there's some type of problem that needs solving and maybe maybe it's happening and they've actively chosen to take part in it like you know they're members of the rebellion or whatever or maybe they were just been drawn into it right and right. Um, So you need to, to figure out what that conflict, that catalytic conflict, is, and and why your villain has has done it intentionally or unintentionally. In in Dead Man's Hand, what's the catalytic conflict? Well, a whole bunch of ships have been disappearing in a certain spart- part of space, right? And and the, yes. and the group is there to investigate it, right? Why they've been disappearing? Because they've been pirated, okay. Um, uh, in in uh enemy of my enemy um which which i, I know i know you've run through um you know mm-hmm. what's what's the serious conflict here uh the serious conflict here is that the the villain our 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 i s b secret agent of a of a of a douche um uh did you only play did you play part one or have you played all three i got all three you got all three okay so got all three so, so our 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 i s b douche who's masquerading as a sector ranger um, you know, he's breeding super soldiers, right? Right. And some of them have escaped and they've started some serious crap. Okay. And the PCs get drawn into this and they're being used. Okay. But that's, that's the, that's the catalyst event. It's, it's, what's the underarching plot, um, for, uh, gosh, um, for my forgotten series, what's the catalytic event? You've got a, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got a black son Vigo who has made the incredibly poor decision to embezzle money from his own organization. Um <laughs> Tragedy. <laughs> Tragedy. And and is has has used again the PCs to accomplish that and brought them into it unwittingly. Okay. It's you know, so there's always there's always some thing that sets the entire story in motion. What happened? Who did it? Why is the event significant or important? Why does it matter? I mean, if if it doesn't that's the other thing too. Oh, so he decided to embezzle money from his organization. Okay, well so what? What kind of conflict does that create that draws the PCs in in the first place? Okay. Okay. Um, you know, so how does it affect them? Um, how and why do they get involved? Okay, were they targeted specifically for some reason? Like I said before, maybe they maybe they're being used. Maybe they're part of a group that is just wanting to take on the villain's nefarious plots because he's tyrannical and they're rebels. Okay. Um, maybe they're lawmen. Uh, maybe there's money involved. Okay, that's a simple one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's my that's my favorite favorite way to to do it. It's very Firefly. Um, okay. uh, you know, they just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they have to make a decision.
0: Okay, okay. I can I can totally see that.
2: So once you have that that catalytic um, conflict determined. That's going to lead you to a course of action, um, and and a series of, of encounters. And you got to decide how you want it to start. You know, when this module starts off, you know, how much do you want to explain? How much do you want to let them discover? Do you want to let Do you want to let the catalytic action have already occurred, and maybe the PCs are investigating it? And that's how we start out. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe someone is. Is maybe maybe the first part of the module is them figuring out they need to investigate it. Okay, like we we meet in a tavern. Okay, <laughs> and, and and some some old grizzled spacers telling stories that get us interested, or somebody's offering a bounty on somebody. Um, uh, you know, or, or maybe you know you start out as I said before in media res, and you know, um, I, I like the in media res option because for a con module you're taking away any of the BS of having to. Deal with jerkwad players who who decide they want to control the situation and and role play themselves out of the game, which I've never understood in any way. Right? Um, it it, it kind of like if you give them the option to not get involved, you might have a player that decides not to get involved, and it's like, okay, well, do you? I mean, any 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 player that is understanding why we're at the table, it's like, okay, dude, we're here to. <laughs> why would you not want to do this? We're, we're like like m- out of character. We are here to play this game. This is obviously the story. Let's do it. You know, but for some no. for some reason, you always have players that do that. I don't understand why. No um, clue, uh, but you know, so if, if you do give them the option to not get involved like that, be prepared with some events that will draw them into the plot if they don't take the bait.
0: I like what old school Billy says. Sometimes they just want to get their truck back.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you j- big trouble in Little China, baby. Sometimes you just want to get your truck back. That's mm-hmm. it. Okay. If 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 the if the if the crime Lord thug is offering you a bounty to go investigate some stuff and that's clearly the adventure and the players are like, no, we're not going to do it. Okay. Well, great. You don't do it. You go back to your ship and you find that it's been impounded by the empire because they saw you talking to this crime Lord dude. (laughs) Okay. And, and now, okay. You know what? No, you are going to investigate this, but you're doing it for us now if you want your ship back. Okay. I mean, little things like that. Right. And that's like in a module that is a quarter of a page alternate scenario that's one of those that's part of that 75 percent. you know what i mean
0: in case you have a douche <laughs> use this plot line yeah pretty much which interesting segue mcguffin and maybe not necessarily the mcguffin of getting your truck back but is that a motivator is that a good motivator to use i should say a mcguffin it, it can be um i love the mcguffin the pcs
2: don't know they have um, so, Ooh. so for for, for Mag- so people wondering what the heck we're talking about, a MacGuffin is not is typically an object that is driving the story, right? Um, so, Phil, great examples of MacGuffins. Um, the first one that comes to my mind is the Ark of the Covenant. Yep, that was about what I was going to say. Okay, I mean, what other what other awesome? I mean, I mean, if you want to go like towards my film school tastes, Maltese Falcon, the Maltese Falcon. Okay, yep. phenomenal MacGuffin. You don't even see the damn thing until the last five minutes of the movie. It's not even the real Maltese Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but but it's it's the MacGuffin. It's what's driving all the action, right? It's it's an object that somebody physically wants. It could be in Star Wars, man. It could be a ship. It could can, be. A,
0: can a person be a MacGuffin?
2: Absolutely. Well, Uh Firefly. Amidala. Amidala is a MacGuffin. River Tam is a better MacGuffin.
0: Ooh. Okay. Ooh, good one.
2: River, r- River Tam is the ultimate example of a MacGuffin that is a person. Alright, the entire epicness of the story of them versus the Alliance is all about her. She is the MacGuffin. She is the object. And she's an interesting object because it's not you're trying to understand why she is the way she is. Um, R2-D2 is a MacGuffin in episode 4. He is a MacGuffin in episode 4. Uh, for, for the entirety of episode 4, R2-D2 is the MacGuffin. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's it. And the idea is if you have the MacGuffin or you are the MacGuffin, you're going to get drawn into things, whether you want to or not, because people are going to try and kidnap you or kill you. (laughs) Ooh, Make a PC a MacGuffin. Yeah. And they don't even know it. It's a, it's a phenomenal option. I, I really, I really do enjoy that. Or they don't know they have it or something to that effect. Or you make the MacGuffin something that they would not be willing to part with, whether that be a person or an object. Um... Uh, one of the more memorable modules I've run in, not run, uh, the MacGuffin was a little girl, and um, early on in I forget where we were, but but uh, basically uh, we saved her from a group of street thugs that were trying to kidnap her, and she was this adorable little like six or seven year old girl, and we you know she was this little street urchin, and you came to find out as the adventure progressed that they wanted her because she's been on the run for a while and she's the last scion of this noble house whose family was executed, right? Right, And so the dude who's trying to go after her family and end her line wants her dead. And at this point, the PCs could be like, you know what, kid? Deuces. But <laughs> because they had already endeared themselves to her and she would endeared herself to them, they weren't willing to do that. Right. So, yeah, man. I mean, so if you're using MacGuffin, do the players have it? Okay. Or are they trying to get it? If they have it or once they get it, do they need to do something with it? Um, do they need to get rid of it? Keep it away from someone? Um, do they need to get it from someone? Why? From whom? Does the villain want it? Yeah, it, it, if there's a MacGuffin involved, the answer is yes.
0: <laughs> right, the villain wants it. That's the, the reason the plot happens. Yeah.
2: Um, another cool thing you can do with a MacGuffin, Phil, is have multiple parties that want it.
0: Oh, absolutely. It, it's, 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 it's kind of almost lazy storytelling to just have one side that wants it. Yeah.
2: The, the, the whole idea, though, around... Um, or around, two. Or, yes, thank you. The whole idea around a MacGuffin, though, is how it pushes the plot. So if you've come up with a MacGuffin, how is it pushing the plot? And if it's pushing the plot, it honestly should appear in a four-hour mod in your very first scene. Yeah, yeah. In some form or fashion, whether it's referenced or, or whatever.
0: Dig that, dig that. All right, so speaking of scenes, memorable scenes. Because you've got four hours to run this module, you've got a you've got a, a, a nemesis to face, you have or don't have a MacGuffin that you need to get or keep away or or find or whatnot, or or a plot line to investigate and an encounter to happen. The scenes that take place are really what's uh, I feel what's what's going to be the talk of the module when it's over. Yeah, and the need to create some of those signature scenes. Aside from the fact that the first thing that I wanted to do when I wrote the module that I wrote was use the certain PCs that I'm that I'm using. Right. The second thing I wanted to do is what I'm referring to as the signature encounter. Yeah. Um. I I've talked about it elsewhere, and I'm I'm I'll be happy to talk about it here. The signature encounter in my module is hutball. Yes. <laughs> and anyone who's played or heard anything about the Star Wars: The Old Republic, ha- who who when I mentioned yes, my module will have hutball in it they are usually clutching the lapels of my shirt saying, I want in, I want in, I want in, I want in. Yes. So those signature scenes, how do you, how, I know how I came up with them. How do you get that? But how does, your average, how does, how does someone sitting down, trying to write a module for the first time, or, or many times, get those signature scenes? How do you create those signature scenes?
2: Now, a lot of this advice goes back to the earlier episode we had about the GM holocron, which is really all about creating those set pieces. Right, um, so I mean, go listen to that, right, but the the idea is that you know before you ever put pen to paper, I mean as you're just as you're just outlining you like you say, you come up with those scenes, right I personally, I start with encounter locations um or confrontations or complications that I want to see in the story, unless I have something wicked like hutball okay <laughs> which which is which is both of those combined, right, yes, um. I come up with you know uh, you know before anything else it's like all right man I want to have a z- I want to have an encounter in low G okay I want to have an encounter with in low G that that's my set piece right CD sure. b- CD bar in low G that's what I want and, yep okay and and because I-, I think that would be cool all right and there th- th- okay, something as simple as that all right um I I want an encounter um in an asteroid field. All right, an asteroid field filled with um, with with auto turrets. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Um, which I have in Act Three of Forgotten. Right, Um, Right. you know. So you know, something as simple as that. This is the set piece. Ah, this is cool. And strange things are going to play into your choices. For me personally, uh, because I'm running something in in person half the time, um, or online on Roll Twenty, the other half of the time. The maps I have access to will actually play into my, uh, my scenes. I'm at the point now that I, I, I want a map. I want a beautifully made map. I want a rendered map. Mm -hmm. So I will go through my collection and be like, Ooh, here's one I haven't used in a really long time. What kind of, what kind of cool scene could I make out of this? What kind of
0: set piece could this be? And that's, 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 I do that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you do. Um, I do the exact same thing. Um, it's kind of the benefit of being involved in all these kickstarters that Chris West does is we get the PDFs of the maps, yeah, and then we have this nice large cache of maps that we can use. And I, I do also, yes, you are you are correct, um, and I, I do agree with you. I go through the I go through and do the exact same thing. Uh, what map can I use? Um, I like this map. What can I do with this map? Yeah, and it's it's a lot
2: easier to it's kind of weird it's it's so anti-right it's like get creative and come up with your encounter and then make the map for it i'm saying for a convention module if you really if you here's what you don't want to do at a convention module and i know we're talking about this so we talk about playing and prep you okay. don't you don't want to be drawing a map in the convention module while it's mm. being played you understand I, I, you don't want to come out with your with your blank grid and draw a map if you need to you don't want to do it if you need a map at all okay you don't want to do it. So that means if you're going to have a map, you need to be able to throw it down on the table. Now, maybe it is hand-drawn, but you need to have it drawn beforehand, right? For yes. Me, for me, I want to be able to pull out that map. Boom. So for me, the map informs the set piece, not the other way around. Exactly. Um, same goes for minis. I, I'll i look at the minis I have if I really want to get accurate. I'll be I'll be like, ooh, I've got this Rancor mini with a Folution on top of it. How can I use that? <laughs> um uh, for the, for the prior edition of this game, uh, one of the last modules I wrote for Saga Edition years ago, um, at ReaperCon, I had a, a one hour module. It was a, it was a, it was a delve. Okay. It was, it was a, it was one encounter. Okay. And it was, okay. it, it was designed to, it was, it was designed to destroy the PCs. And the idea was there was a bounty that built up, built up. And the first group to take it out would get all the bucks that had built up. Right. Yep. And, uh. I was I had this mini, this Rancor mini with the Felucian riding it, and they're in this this Sith acolyte temple where there's this basic, basically Sith uh, altered Rancor underneath in the sludge and sewage, and to summon it forth they have to sacrifice this acolyte right, and so in the middle of the combat he sacrifices himself, and at that point the 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 floor ruptures and cracks down and he falls into it, and then emerging around later from the goop is this this. Striped, glowing rancor with this guy sticking out of the top of his head like his its corpse like fused to the top of its head, sticking out. You know, like this horribly macabre image. And then you look at the mini, and it's like, oh, I could totally get that from the mini. <laughs> yup.
0: <laughs> so yeah, excellent. And that certainly is a signature scene. Yeah,
2: yeah it, That's the thing. If if there is a specific, and okay, so that's minis and maps. But it like to extend that, Phil. If if there's a specific type of creature or a vehicle or an enemy that you want to include, this is where you look for a way to weave that into the set piece. Then you can write it into the the module appropriately.
1: Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So you string a bunch of these scenes together, and maybe not they're all signature, but you, you've got your you've got your module, you've got the plot line conclusion. Because at the end of four hours, isn't it important to make the PCs feel like there's an ending? You do, and I, I think there's a couple steps coming up to this though, okay um,
2: I mean like if you the all, the, set, the set pieces you develop they need to be pretty well balanced kind of healthy, and go back and listen to episode seven guys for for true encounter design, and we'll talk about that in a bit too, but you know you want to have set pieces that can be if not necessarily resolved at least affected by other skills besides combat you know um, right but the the biggest so how many set pieces do you want to, th- that are going to lead to that conclusion is, is what you need to decide. And in my personal experience, for a four-hour game, three set pieces is the sweet spot. Okay. Um, the, the mistake I've seen people make, especially in this system, is you have to realize that a social encounter is a set piece, and it takes just as long as a combat encounter. Hell yes, it does. Uh, sometimes longer. So that that if if you have a social encounter, that needs to be one of your set pieces. Um, it it's got to be. So you know you you got you got you got that going on. Um, so that conclusion when you get it together. You need to ask yourself, it doesn't have to be, is it going to be one of your set pieces? In which case, you've really got this three-act story going on over four hours. You've got your intro, you've got your middle, and then you've got the third act, which is the conclusion. It is one of the set pieces. It's the hut ball game, right? Sure, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, you know, w- whatever that's going to be. So, you know, jot down, okay, how, how is this plot likely to resolve itself, okay? And that should inform this grand finale of an encounter, where you pull out all the stops, make it completely memorable, Note, very specifically at this point in time, I note what are the conditions for success and what are the conditions for failure. And sometimes, not often, but sometimes it can be as simple as kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, although that, 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 that's, that's a bit trite and you usually want to find a better way. Um, but how, how could they fail, you know? Um, the, one of the best things I can recommend for a conclusion set piece Um, Especially because towards the end of the session, if things are really starting to drag and you need to wrap up and you're facing that four-hour time limit, Mm. conditions for failure should involve around some type of time, okay? Um, Like they have so many minutes to do something before the Death Star laser fires, before uh, the power converters warm up and the escape pods can jettison away with the bad guys inside, before the bomb explodes, whatever that's going to be, right? Before the match runs out. Before okay, Yes, before the match runs out in the case of football. Well, you can easily do that with rounds. So you'll find in a lot of my modules, there will be a lot of times where you have so many rounds to make something happen. And if you can't accomplish it in that many rounds, you failed. There you go. Yeah. But in, in either way, success or failure, how does the story wrap itself up? You, you need You need to know that. Okay. So... But I mean, yeah. T- typically, you're going to see the conclusion become one of the set pieces, but you want to give it a bit of a different spin. It's not just this leads to something else. This either leads to success or failure for the adventure. How does that occur? And
0: and what happens in either case? All right. So I think I've got. I, I think I've got what you're saying. You know, the whole the, the beginning, the middle, the end, the plot lines, stringing everything together. We've got this really nice skeleton. Yeah. Um. Now here's the part where when I first started playtesting i found out that i put way too much flesh on that skeleton (laughs) and i found myself really having to chop down quite a bit like pages um what kind of what kind of advice can you give towards that towards towards fleshing it out and giving it a real sense of tone so um again
2: it's three acts right that's what you want to shoot for okay? okay three acts your first act how does it start in media res, my personal favorite, as I've said, for a convention module, gets going. Is it a dossier or a mission that they're given, um, like our archaeologist group in Dead Man's Hand uh, on their ship, flying sort of pseudo in media res towards the space station that they have their and they're reading the dossier as they go, right? Yeah. Um, or do you do the adventurers meet in the Rusty Nail Tavern and? <laughs> <laughs> and, and an old man with a beard, and an exclamation point above his head, says, "You know, I need help. Please kill ten <laughs> wolves and bring their pelts back to me." Um, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but how will the action start? And and that's going to dive right into that first set piece, really. In, in my opinion, if 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 if, if, it, if it is not the first set piece, it should you should be from start of the module, like opening crawl, to that first set piece in. 15 20 minutes maybe 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 max okay um, um, all right maybe 30 if 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 that first set piece can be wrapped up quickly but
0: sure but i mean yeah that's 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 it um so as I'm, as i'm thinking about my module i'm like okay yep now i'm at that all right dig it yeah
2: <laughs> the other thing too is 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 the adventure might run a lot shorter than you planned many of your set pieces if not all of them um or some of them at least should have ways that a way out a way that that reasonably you as a GM, and I'll talk about this in a sec. You as a GM should be able to either make sure it doesn't happen, or the players through their own effectiveness and rolling can make sure that the encounter doesn't ever have to happen. Right? Um, I I don't recommend that for the first encounter, and I don't yeah. recommend it for the last encounter. <laughs> so so typically that's a a second the, that's that's your second act is where this
0: comes in, right? Right. Um. But go ahead no i I was going to say that you know i i've I came to realize that that you know in, in the course of the module that I was writing i it, it is entirely conceivable that the pcs could in just completely bypass hotball and I have to sort of account for that <laughs> well I would go one step further I, I especially in your second
2: act try to build in outs for yourself to where even if they don't do it it makes sense that... Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? Okay. You've played Dead Man's Hand. Yes. Right before the party boards the droid's ship, okay, after they're, mm-hmm. they're caught in a tractor beam and they're forced to board the droid's ship, you guys are in this asteroid field around the remnants of this old shipyard, imperial stealth shipyard factory, and you get yeah. ambushed by three TIE fighters, okay? Yeah. From a module running perspective, if things are running long... Before that ever escalates into combat, um, it, as a, as a second act set piece of of spaceship combat, if things are running really long, I'll just have the bad guy's ship appear and blow those guys away. Mm. Okay, and it, it doesn't it makes sense and no one questions it. Um, but I, but again, most of the time around that adventure, we're running fine, and so hey, we get to have a few rounds of starship combat with these stealth ties, you know these these, um, you know before the bad guy's ship shows up. <laughs> Right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that's what I mean. Like building yourself an out can really, you know, don't feel constrained by the story you have written. And if you're like me and you tend to get constrained by the story you've written, then write it in a way that you have given yourself 16 options.
0: (laughs) Good to know. Yeah.
2: Good to know. So take these signature scenes that you've created and, and you put them into a series of encounters. All right. With, with that idea in mind, possibly building, building a way out. What and Phil, you know this man. What are the types of encounters we can have? Because these are going to be informed by the set pieces, obviously. But
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's really basic. Anyone who's anyone who's gm knows what we're talking about. You've got your combat encounters. You've got your skill based encounters, which honestly they tend to uh, tend to be towards investigation because you mostly yeah. are using your skills to get information. Yeah,
2: you know, your your computers, your perception, your streetwise, your all that jazz.
0: Exactly. Uh, You've got your social encounters, where you break out the charm and then negotiate and coerce. Um, Along the lines of combat encounters, but these deserve their own category as well, starship encounters. Absolutely. Because that can be an entirely different beastie.
2: Absolutely. If I'm running a one-shot, it should have some starship, or if, let let me rephrase that, it should have some ship combat in it, whether that be planetary or space, doesn't matter.
0: But it should have I wanted to, but I just couldn't fit it in. I I saw how much how long I was running it, and I'm like, I I can't fit it in.
2: You don't you don't have to. And I would I would say about half the modules I run, like individual episodes, have a starship or vehicle combat in them somewhere. Like for my Forgotten series, um, you have a Starship combat that can be bypassed, okay, um, in the first act. In the second act, there's no vehicle combat. And in the third act, there's actually two vehicle scenes, one of which is on land, one of which is in the air, in in, in space, and the one in space can, although it's much harder, potentially be bypassed too, right? Right. So I, I, you know, that's that's kind of where I see. But if you don't, if you don't have anything in the module for ship combat, and you're using pregens, you better not be wasting those pregens on ranks in piloting. <laughs> Right <laughs> or talents that you have to deal with piloting because you have a player at that point that feels next to useless and right. you put them in that situation. So don't do that.
0: I will say this. I uh, the One of the first run through, the first rough draft of the module, it did have a vehicle chase scene in it yeah. or the potential for one depending on how the dice went. Um, I have since chopped that out, but I actually I, i've chopped it out of the module I plan to run at Gen con, but I left the blurb in there with a little bit of a, a, a red uh, red sidebar that says this the following encounter is not recommended if you're running a timed module, but if you're playing this at your house and you don't have any set time limit, consider using this right right because but- I do agree it it, it it's <sighs> name name. A like, name like a thir- a twenty to thirty minute portion of any Star Wars movie where there isn't a vehicle combat chase or whatnot. It's an integral part of Star Wars for the most part. Exactly. That's half the reason I love the damn show is love the damn movies is because of the
2: vehicles in it. Yeah. So and, and players feel the same way for the most part. So you want to give them that that jollification and that joy. Um, you know, and if you're running a starship combat, and I oh, know I know we have an episode devoted to this, but if you're running a starship combat. Um f- uh freighter combat where you have a bunch butt- like what what I call light freighter combat where you have a whole bunch of people on one ship is eminently more survivable than snub fighter combat. Hell yes. But snub L yes. But snub fighter combat tends to be a lot more fun for all players involved. <laughs> so you have <laughs> It's an annoying dichotomy, isn't it? It's a very annoying dichotomy and uh th- there's there's ways yeah yeah yeah. It's it's
0: mm. there. Um but. So so well there's an interesting hazard <laughs> Being in a very fragile fighter, um, but what threats and hazards should you have? I mean, you know, in in to, as part of whole all this fleshing out.
2: Well, that's the thing. So now that you've got your your set pieces strung together and you know how the encounters are going to play on whether they're going to be combat or starship or investigation, whatever, here's where you put the pen to paper. You figure out what the threats are and the hazards are, what your difficulties are going to be. In a published module, unless we're talking about basic difficulties, things like range, okay. Um, that you don't need to remember because they're part of the core rules. Every difficulty for every check should be laid out in that module for you, okay? So yep. that when you're on that page, you can be like, oh okay, give me a give me a
0: uh, give me a, a discipline check, okay?" And, and you know what it is. Um, and this is the, one of the hardest things that I. This is one of the problems that I had with the module that I was writing for GenCon was at what point? You know, how do I set those difficulties? Because in a home, in a home game, if if the PCs fail. And I'm able to go sort of off the rails, as it were. I've got time to do that, but should I make them as as easy that they're almost a joke for the PC to be rolling, or should I give them a real challenge? And and what happens if they do fail those skill rolls? Yeah, okay, and that's that's the kicker. Even the easiest roll in this
2: system, you can fail. Okay, yeah. So that's true. Never, ever, 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 ever put a skill check in the game that if they fail it the plot cannot advance. Skill checks are not made in order to advance the plot or 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 succeed in the encounter until you get to the finale. Skill checks, whether they be firing a blaster or talking to somebody, skill checks are made to make things easier on the party. Okay? Mm. If 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 I if I if I fail to find the information I need um horribly and we can't get it done the GM has to have a plan in the module for how the plot is going to proceed, and usually that's going to be
0: something the PCs don't like. Harkening back to the fate system, the fate when it says failure, it doesn't necessarily mean failure; it says success, but at a major cost. At, yeah, at, at a major cost, and that's that's kind of what it comes down to. It's it's um, uh, so never have a role, never have a role that can't uh, that. If you don't succeed, you can't advance the plot line. Have it be so that if they fail the role, the plot can still proceed with some very interesting complications as as a consequence.
2: Exactly. So, okay, dead man's hand. Let's say you guys could not get your hands on the coordinate data from our CD bartender slash station owner, right? Which almost happened. Almost happened. What on earth happens then? How does the module proceed? Well, you know that little reporter character that was a part of the module? Okay. It yeah. could become a thorn in the side. Now she becomes a major thorn in the side. She would, at that point, seek the party out and be like, look, I've got some information, and you guys can analyze it if you want. Okay. Um, and in exchange, this is going to happen. <laughs> this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And, 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 uh, you know, um, uh, the 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 party can't seem to find the MacGuffin. All right, they they've looked everywhere. They can't seem to find it. They can't f- do what they do what they need to do. Um, so, after failing all their roles, well, you know what? The bad guy, because they've been exploring, finds them. All right, and knocks them out, or arrests them, or whatever, and brings them into a final conflict. All right, um, and they start that <laughs> conflict off wounded, or with half their gear, or no gear, or whatever whatever it might be.
0: Marion was a consequence of Indiana Jones failing to convince her to give him the idol piece. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. I'm your goddamn partner now. Yes, and that's, that's that's
2: exactly correct. So I, th- that is extremely important as you are fleshing out these encounters. Even if it's a combat encounter, unless it is the finale, in which case de- in which case death can be an acceptable option. Sure. If they, if that part, if if that's a TPK, if the party drops. Okay, you need to have a plan in your back pocket. Does the enemy pick them up and they wake up in holding cells and things proceed from there? Um, Do they wake up in a crime doctor's basement uh, getting patched up by some skeezy crime lord who found them and now all of a sudden they're working for him? Okay, Mm -hmm. and he moves them along and gives them the information they need. You need to have something in your pocket for that. Um, When you're so that's a part of it in terms of the overall encounter design. Again, guys refer to episode seven the list. And you want to try and balance the challenge of the encounter against the intended XP of the party that you've determined. Um, Some encounters can be easy. Most should be standard for the party. And a few, like the inclusion, should be exceptionally challenging. And I have another piece of advice for you, Phil. Okay. A year ago, when we were asked how do... Two years ago. (laughs) Almost two years ago. A year and a half ago. When we were asked, how do you... How do you judge difficulties? Yes. We said you have to eyeball it. Mm -hmm. Still the best methodology. I have a better one that I've discovered through my time playing. Lay it on me. If you have a skill check that your party needs to complete, find the highest dice pool in the group. This is another reason pregens are awesome, okay? Yes. Find the highest dice skill in the group. So give me a dice pool, man. Like, let's let's say there's a computer check that needs to be made. What's I'll I'll give you what one of my characters has: two yellows and a green. Two yellows and a green. Okay. Your difficulty should typically be one. Like okay, no, let's 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 start for for average difficulty, completely mm-hmm. average difficulty. Um, just okay. It should be the same number of dice. Okay. So you, three dice, three purple dice, and okay. from there you start adding reds. The instant it gets dangerous when in other words do do I want a despair to be rolled, and if so, would it be really interesting, and is there a high likelihood of despair? That's going to inform the number of upgrades you have to red, okay yes, after that, you're gonna add setback die based on circumstantials um so so that's the scenario keep the number of dice equal and then start upgrading it or adding black from there. If you want it to be a little bit easier, have the difficulty dice as a base be one less than the highest check, okay. If you want it to be harder, have it be one or sometimes two more than the highest check. Okay. Uh, the highest pool. Okay. Um, that's, that, that, that is something I have gravitated to, and it has worked, man. It has worked well for me. Okay? Extremely well for me. Um, so there's a good piece of advice I can give to anyone writing a module and wanting to try and come up with difficulty. That has, that
0: on the whole, worked very well for me. That sounds roughly like how I've been writing and running modules, but it was interesting to put it away, put it in those terms. Um, have the dice be the same, but then you know I, I was kind of upgrading. Uh, I was kind of upgrading just based on you know kind of their proficiency or or the inherent danger of the situation. But the, you, you just put it very eloquently.
2: Yeah. Now another thing too: use setback dice frequently. Never forget to use setback dice. Put them in the module. And do you know the number one reason why? Because Talents. Talents! Talents! Your players have talents that remove setback dice, so let them use their
0: talent. The good GM is the GM who puts in setback die and either pretends to or actually does forget that their PCs have talents that remove setback dice. Oh, totally. Yes. That's the good GM. Yes. Yes, I was. I was doing that in my uh, Order sixty five module I ran on Saturday, where I was adding in setback dice just because I'm like, and you got to do it. You have to do it. You add in setback dice. You because they are the they are the situational modifiers. Yeah, you have to add those suckers in because and there is nothing like the grin on a PC's face when they basically mimic the old Apple iPhone ads and say, "I got talent for that," and. The other thing when when do I add
2: setback die? Here's another quick hard and fast rule for you. Anytime anytime an environmental circumstance would make it more di- would makes makes the check more difficult. I, I let's let's have a game, Phil. Okay? Give me any skill in the game and I'll tell you any skill and I'll give you an environmental circumstance that is common that you could easily add setback dies for. Computers. Computers. You are ha- you are slicing I, this is all the time, okay? You got a map, right? It's got a main terminal on it. That main terminal has a set difficulty, okay, based on the the encryption. Okay, boom. It's also surrounded by guards. Well, there are remote terminals elsewhere, but because they are environmentally removed from the main computer, they're remote terminals, Okay. I'll add one or two setback die to the difficulty. Mm. Same thing goes if you're trying to wirelessly get in somewhere. Fair enough. That is the number one easy thing I've added setback dice for. I continually do for for computers. And dude, the master slicer, he's like, yeah, I'll go to the remote terminal, sure, because he's got the talents to deal with it. Um, you know, but for a party that doesn't, it's oh god, oh we can't, we got to get to the main terminal. Coercion, coercion. Oh man, Th- this one is so. There are some interesting rules in the book around coercion and when you give bonuses and penalties. Mm-hmm. The the biggest environmental for coercion is when you are outclassed or out um uh uh under or un undermanned. Okay. You are not
0: in a position of authority. You are not in power. a. you are
2: clearly not in a position of authority in that person. They have twelve guys, you have six. Okay? It's two to one odds. That is two setback dash right there, buddy. Or one, okay? I like it. Um the other is um embarrassing situations which actually applies to all social skills um if you are uh covered in water because you just came up climbed out of a sewer if you're covered in sweat you're slick with goo whatever yeah. naked <laughs> you know you're naked um uh w- whatever it is that's, that's shaken up your confidence somewhat that's that, that can apply to virtually any social skill um, as
0: environmental effect as
2: environmental effect that also applies to discipline it also applies to cool um yeah oh there's a not thought of yeah yeah it's it's you start you start thinking in these terms, man. You find ways to throw those black dice in, and and you will, you it's 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 easy, it's easy, it's easy, it's easy. I like it. Get yourself in that mindset. Yeah. So between that and so with with, with that hard and fast uh, setback dice rule and and my G- GM Chris's hard and fast difficulty rule, you should be able to fl- and episode seven the list you should be able to flesh out your encounters um, pretty easily um, at, at that
0: point. So, here's another one that I thought. Um, getting to the end of the module, wrapping it all up. rewards I mean, what you know what what rewards do you do for do, do you do any rewards for the end of, of of a module, or especially a con mod? uh It's possible.
2: Um, you don't have to. Um, it's kind of a nice thing to include, especially if your mod's going to be inserted in the middle of a campaign. Sure. That someone would be running on their own. Say, hey, here's the XP rewards for this particular module. Base, and if they did this, give them an extra five. Um, monetary war rewards, special equipment. Sometimes you can use it really well. So with my Forgotten Adventure, it's three modules, right? Back to back to back. Right. And in Module 2, the BBE, he's not really a BBEG, he can be, but you, but the climactic encounter is was with a hut, okay? Right. And that hut has a 10 loss disruptor pistol. Yikes! Yes, um, it, the goal of the bad guys in the encounter is actually to kill the hut, and and they will most likely succeed in their task. If they're successful, it's I I, I kind of expect that one of the PCs is going to snatch up that disrupt, the disruptor <laughs> pistol, and the difficulty of Act Three is in contingent on my understanding that they're most likely going to have a disruptor pistol in their possession. <laughs> you follow
0: hilarity ensues yes
2: and 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 hilarity hilarity ensues okay um gosh what else oh 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 gosh gosh okay when you're when you're fleshing out your encounters man mm? reference obscure rules that you need reminders of why uh, okay phil right now what's the difficulty of jumping across a short distance a medium distance a long distance how do group skill check work what effect is zero g have on a character phil what about poison? How long can they hold their breath? Tell me now.
0: Okay. Oh, oh, oh! All right. Maybe I, maybe I heard your question wrong. I thought you meant um, put in obscure, you know, put in obscure, obscure. Put in, put in,
2: put in references for obscure rules. Ah. Okay. So okay. where to find them really quickly? Not even. No. No. Not where to find them. Put the freaking rules in the module. Uh, oh. Oh. Okay. I'm sorry. I mean, I, th- th- that's the idea. What you do not want to do in a time-limited game is book dig, even if you have the page number. You do not want to pull out the – I don't care if you say the module says, look for page 97 for these rules. You do not want to take the minute it's going to take you to pull the book out and flip to page 97 and read. You need to have read it, distilled it into a couple sentences in your own words, and put that as a sidebar in the module to, yes. for, for yourself to remind you. And And when appropriate – like like sometimes like like uh the difficulty is based on this and this and this Well, you know what this and this and this is because it's an encounter and you know what the encounter is and you're writing it you know what that distance is so just say hey if they're going to jump the difficulty here is two purple if they have a running start okay gotcha. okay gotcha. um uh you know the the characters uh the characters can hold their breath this long uh for the pregens that means xyz okay for each one of the characters they can hold their breath this long this long this long this long i mean d- do that okay Um, you know, how, how do group skill checks work if you need one? Well, you have the pre general So you know what? Say, all right, this is how group skill checks work. And for this particular perception group skill, this is going to be the pool because this character has these ranks and this character has this cunning. So (laughs) like put that in the module for yourself. Gotcha. Put that in the module for yourself. Okay. Dig it. Um, and that's, I mean, that way you don't have to dig them up later. In Dead Man's Hand, man, if you look at the module, you will find a sidebar in there for how low gravity works. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because because I didn't want to have to remind myself. Uh, you know, one when I'm running the adventure, it's a it's a minor. Oh, dude, you get a boost die to your brawn checks because you're in zero, you're in low G. Okay. Um. It, so it 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 reminds me of that. Um. So, okay, when you're writing your module, man, how do you how do you stat out your NPCs, your vehicles? What do you what mean? How, how far did you go with that? Did you put in full blocks? Did you do page references? Where Did you come up with your own stuff or pilfer? What did you do?
0: I've got full blocks. Okay. Um, I actually even went so far as for one of the big – for the hutball encounter, I even pre-rolled initiative for them. Um, and I've got the little initiative – their, their initiative result, I actually rolled their initiative dice and threw it down there. It's like, oh, okay, he rolled this many successes and this many advantages, and oh, look, he actually rolled the triumph. Well done. Um, but I've got it pretty much statted out just like they are in the book. It's the block set up executives, it's got what talents that adversary has, and a quick, dirty explanation of what it does. Absolutely. I've actually, I've actually got it bold-faced and underlined because I've noticed that in the stat blocks in the book, the talents the names sometimes get lost amidst the, that block of text there. So I've actually forgotten entire talents that I put in there purposefully because, oh, I've got this guy who fights with two blaster pistols. Well, his two blaster pistols only go out to medium range. All right, I'll give him sniper shot, which will allow him to shoot out to long range. That's simple, and I'll forget that he has it.
2: Th- that's the thing. I, Bill, in every module I have ever written or run for FFG system... I have never fleshed out a full talented nemesis. Never. I believe it. Not once. I'll make a nemesis. He's a nemesis. He can spend strain like normal. I know that much. Okay. He's kitted out. He's got some awesome skills. Aside from adversary, I don't give them... I've got enough to worry about. (laughs) And it has never negatively impacted the game. Never, ever, ever, ever. Um, you don't even have to
0: know. The PCs don't even have to know. They Don't
2: even know. They, it, it's never. I just it just it, I make the roll and I move on. It's. I believe it. it. It's there, and we've talked about this before, man. But you can reskin ships. You can reskin bad guys from the book or from modules do that or all the time. Whatever. Just file off the serial numbers and rename them for your purposes. You do that all the freaking time. Absolutely.
0: Um, that's tie fighters have tie fighters have appeared in every era of my game. (laughs) Yes. yes, It's It's a tie predator here. No, now it's a Sith info, uh, a Sith attack fighter. Now it's, you know, God.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, for, for stat purposes and another thing I do with my stat blocks, man, in a module, I like, again, I don't want to have to think or do math. Okay. I don't want to see like, I'll be quite frank. I dislike the stat blocks that are published the way FFG publishes them. I understand why they do it that way, because they want it to be more flexible, okay? But I don't want to see that he has two ranks of perception and a cunning of three and ha- be, then be forced to actually build the pool in my head.
0: Yeah. You, you, you do it. Like I put, like I've adopted with your character sheets, like anyone who gets a character sheet of the, of the module that I'm running, you will see your character and your dice for every skill you have.
2: Yeah. And they, they used to do that in some early incarnations. They did specifically with the beta adventure. You'll find it on the beta character sheets too, where they yep. put the icons on there and build your dice pool for you. I do that yep. on the pre but I do it for my NPCs. It's in the stat block. After when I when it says you know uh, you know do that. range light two in parentheses behind that I'll have the dice pool I'll have it pre built so I don't need to do the mental math. There is totally do that before it was invented. The way in which I did this was I would put the pool in there as D's and C's and S's. So mm-hmm. if I had and then I would color them appropriately. So I'd put in two C's and color them green. Okay, and I have a color printer, so that worked. And then I would put in a. a a C and I color it yellow and then I put an S and I color it black. So that tells me it's, you know, two greens, a yellow and a black or two difficulty or, 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 or I mean not gri- purple and red, you know, so you understand what I'm saying. Um,
0: and some lovely genius gave us the edge of the empire font. Yes.
2: If you Google this, there is, there is a font out there. It's called E O T E symbol. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can install it in your fonts folder and it works in word or anything else. It's a true type font. And Takes a second to figure out which which, which characters are which, but yes. once you got it, you got it. Once you got it, you got it, and it gives us the symbol for the dice, and and all the other symbols for that matter: advantage, triumph, despair, all of it.
0: Um, By the way, folks, anyone who does go out there and grab that symbol, do yourself a favor: just for the first time, once you start using it, just type out a through z in regular size in lowercase, and then a through z in uppercase, and then put a do it twice, two rows of it, and then. Take that second and fo- uh, second and fourth rows and convert those rows to the Edge of the Empire font. So you now have a key. A is nothing. B is nothing. C is uh, hexagon. D is diamond. E you know, and and goes up from there. Actually, B is box. So B is the cubes. Yeah. But uh, do that. Do that. You'll you'll save yourself a lot of time and aggravation trying to remember what's what. Yep. And once you've got that, all that done, man, you, you do it. You've got your
2: module written. You've got your encounters and set pieces together, and, and you're, you're, you're golden.
0: You're golden. Write down NPCs dice. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, save, you'll save yourself some headache, man. Trust me. Oh, and in case anyone's wondering, I am, in fact, sitting here with a giant notebook here with no, just taking notes of what you're telling me, Chris. Because I, I, I now have to go back and, and make some final polish on that module before I run it in 10 days. <laughs> well, Actually, 11. I think I'm running it Thursday if I can find the folks. Anyway, okay. So, And I guess that's another one of the, my problems is that when, we, when I wrote the module, I, I really put on a lot of fat. I really did. And the first few times I ran it, I, the feedback I was receiving was the intro was way too long and i went and i looked at it and i'm like wow my intro was like two pages Good of text grief i'm verbose i was verbose what the hell it's it's how i am um but then I, I i chopped it down now that this is a dumb question i i know how much i know what i wrote was way too verbose but how verbose is to too verbose are you talking about just the introduction well okay the the, the introduction's a big one the the setup as it were But how much should I really spend writing out the module? How detailed should I be getting? If I have PCs transitioning to a new scene, how thoroughly should I write the scene? Okay, so there's a a distinction here I I, want to make before we talk about this further, okay?
2: Sure. There are details in that module that are read to the players or communicated to the players, and there are things that are not. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, the things that are not communicated to the players... I am personally a fan of putting in as much verbosity and bloat as I humanly can, okay, within reason, mostly because it's just there for the GM. Again, I want to cover every avenue of potentiality for the GM. Okay? You want to put the GM in the
0: mind frame of where the scene is.
2: Exactly. And furthermore, I want to cover any, any way out of the scene that could possibly happen.
0: Now, uh, now
2: what, what sounds to me what's, what's concerning is what you're communicating to your players. Okay, so let's start, with, let's start with the introduction, okay? Okay. For the introduction, you need to shoot for the length of a Star Wars crawl. That's it. Three sentences. <laughs> Long sentences, okay? Yes, yes. All right, but... But the idea is, but, it, but that's what you want to shoot for, okay? Okay. If, if it's more than that, much more than that, any con player is going to lose interest. If, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll quantify it a bit more. If you can't explain the plot enough to get the players rolling dice in five minutes or less, it's too long. It's just too gotcha. long. Now, that's I'm not talking about your intro, because, you know, especially when the start of a game, you're going to spend 20 minutes before you start rolling dice, and that's because I need to teach a new player how the dice work, right? Yep. We, we yep. may need to talk a little bit about the era, okay? And you're you're talking plot, I'm talking I'm talking plot. I'm talking, like, and you've, you've run with me, man. You know, when I use music especially, it's like, all right, I was like, okay, okay, now that we all understand that, are we ready to play? Okay? And everyone's usually like, yes, let's play. And then you hit play and Star Wars logo zooms in, right? And then at that point, you need to set things up in less than five minutes,
0: period. Yeah. Period. Get players rolling dice in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Or at least moving the story from their perspective. Yes, 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 yes. Rolling not from some a, NPC voice box.
2: That's, that's correct. Okay,
0: that's, that's, that's correct.
2: Um, and that's, that's, you know, for a con module, you're running on limited time, and you're running with players that are not going to be as tolerant of your quirks as a GM. You need right. to get the story moving quickly. Quickly, quickly, quickly. A, a good intro should do one or more of the following. It should root the players, characters in the story... And set the stage for the opening scene <laughs> and possibly pique the player's curiosity about events to come. D- tell me, d- d- did you need extensive backstory after watching the episode four opening crawl? Goddamn. No. no. It was three long sentences that said, here's what's happening, here's what's happening, here's what's happening, and boom, in Meteor Starship Battle. And the audience, or in this case, the players, they figure it out. Okay. You don't necessarily need more than that um, for an intro. And consequently, when you're transitioning scenes, you don't need laborious monologues or exposition. Um, again, if it's anything longer than, you know, a minute, and, and for that, it's, they're going to get bored, okay? Now, there is a way around this, Phil.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: okay? And that is that you do not make it a monologue. You make it a dialogue.
0: Gotcha. This
2: takes more work on the part of the GM, but it's completely worth it. So what I'll do, and you'll see this in some of my modules, is if I need to set scene or transition, they're having an, a conversation. You know, instead of having the, the arch villain or the potential employer or whoever monologue for a page and tell them, here's what's happened. I will, I will, he, he'll have uh, a few sentences saying, here's what I need you to do. What questions do you have? And at that point, I might have six to 12 bullet points underneath there with pre-canned answers that he'll give them based on likely questions they're going to ask that are very generic. Okay. I am so glad you're bringing this up. Go okay. on. All right. And then at that point, it's, it's, um, at that point, you just let, let them, and, and you know, they don't have to be ordinal either. It's like, let them ask what they're going to ask. And and then you answer with the canned answer. And at that point, they're not getting bored because they're participating. They're engaging. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. But when that 10-minute f- dialogue is over, they have learned a page or two worth of material. But they're the ones that asked it. You're not you're not the one who told it.
0: This makes me feel a little bit better about the, the intro that I've got now. Because I used to have probably, it was probably just about five minutes of the PCs being talked to by, let's call it Republic Command. Uh-huh. And they were literally just being talked to. Blah blah blah. Big important person talking. Let me let me now introduce you to this big important person. And this big important person would go on with their monologue. Uh, now I've got it chopped down to the PCs, had that off-screen. That that is now the three sentences. Yeah. And now they're they go to Narsheda and they go to their first uh, their first encounter there. And this person does their couple minute monologue about what's going on here on Narsheda. And it turns into exactly what you said, a dialogue, yeah. a whole, okay, the this, this, this situation that we're in, we probably have about five or ten minutes to for, for me to be able to answer questions safely. Fire at me. What do you got?
2: Exactly. No GMs. Cool. G- GMs are afraid to tell their players what questions do you have, okay? But if you understand the plot well enough, which you should, if you wrote the module, you should be able to handle any questions that come that you haven't prepared for. And if you have the space to do so and the time to do so, prepare for any question they might ask. Excellent. Um the the hitch in the giddy up there is if you have information they need that they forget to ask
0: come up with a way to get it into their hands either that or ask yourself if it's really information they need.
2: All right. I mean just because or, it's or, gi- if
0: that, or if not knowing it could lead to any interesting developments later on. Sure, sure. I, I don't I don't I don't recommend that.
2: Because that's oh, okay. that, that that what you just said. It's kind of douchey. It's like it's like why did this happen? <laughs> well, you forgot to ask. Come off, and go about it. So, it's. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> okay when you put
0: it like that. Yeah, it's douchey.
2: Okay, it's kind it's kind of douchey. But it's one of those things you need to ask yourself: Do they really need to know it? And, and but the that's the thing: Do they really need to know it? Do they really need to know it? Anything they really absolutely have to know, make that exposition. Okay, but if it's something that's like just narrative backstory or someone's personality or the history of the conflict or something like that, they don't need to know any of that. It's cool.
0: It adds to the story, but they don't need to know it. I like it. Make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, so now does this give us the module? It's done. It's ready. It's assuming that you follow all these tips and tricks and and you lay it out as such and you finally spit polish it and, and you feel that it's ready to go. Yeah. Running it, <laughs> my my, my biggest—I don't want to say hang up, I don't want to say fear, but it is something that is in my mind uh, as as anxious because I'm like, okay, I want this to go well. Um, scheduling the module when you get to when you get to something like Jed Conlan, and I'm going to use this blatantly as an example because it's what's foremost on my mind right now. Yeah. Scheduling the module. How many times should I run this thing? As many as you want to, but at least once. Um. <laughs> Yes, well.
2: <laughs> I think a more important question to ask is how many times should you run it before the convention?
0: Interesting, interesting. All right, so so let's go with that. So is this is this the sort of like what I've done, where it's it's uh, beta testing, test runs?
2: And the answer to that is as many times as you can, but at least once.
0: <laughs> Damn right. Okay. Damn right. I've tested this thing three times. Twice online, once in person. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you can... Uh,
2: that's what you want to do. Um, I have only ever written. Oh, it was scary as hell, man. I, I have no problem saying this. I wrote Forgotten, all three acts, published it without ever having played it, and I ran it Oof. at a con. I ran it at a con
0: at at Gamer Nation con without ever having run it before. Wow. So you're not? Uh, well, obviously you're not counting the uh, the 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 celebrity game.
2: Um. Oh shoot. But you didn't finish it, and the module changed so much between that. That was the beta. I'll be quite frank. Okay, um, that was that was the beta, but we, but it was only the first act, and we didn't finish it. And um, so okay, okay, I lied. <laughs> but it, it, at least in its in its current incarnation, it was it was, sure. it, was it was it was clean.
0: But I was I mean, yeah, you're right. At that point, is it really the same
2: module? Either. You know, and and it it uh. I was I was comfortable with it, and every time you run this module, you will learn something from it. Even you learn how to make it better. You will go back in and you'll make version one point two. You'll do it. Agreed. Um, I totally
0: agree with that statement.
2: Now, when you're at the con, that's entirely up to you, man. And and honestly, the question is is how many how many how often do you? I mean, wh- why are you? Why go back to the question, man? Why are you running? Why are you running a mod at a con?
0: Um really for the for the examples that I sort of gave at the beginning you know i 've been talking to and, and interacting with and and talking games with gamer Nation for cripes five six years now, folks that i 've never gotten a chance to play with and we all have these memorable characters, we all have these wonderful experiences that we have. I wanted to have that gaming experience and th- that level of connection. With these players, and and some of it's a little bit of an egotistical thing. I sure. I I, I frag I I frequently say that I am the one of the best, if not the best GM in my area. It's why I always run games, and no one else one well, no one else wants to because they all want to play in my games. And maybe it's just that whole I want to run for other people and see. How good I actually am if I'm playing with a group I've never played with before and running for them? Do I quote unquote still got it?
2: It's um, it it's it, 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 like I said, man. It is the test of the GM's chops. Yeah, um, and, yeah. And you will you will falter, but you'll learn from it. But but like it, it's what you get out of it, man. And that informs how many times you should run it. If if it's just if you want to do one game to see if you still got it, then do one game. Me personally. I love running games. It's my favorite thing to do. I don't go to Gen Con to play games. I go yeah. to Gen Con to run games. And nice. I do that I, I do that because that's what I enjoy doing. If somebody says, hey, man, you want to play Edge of the Empire? I'll be like, oh, sure. You want? Well, okay, we can play some Edge of the Empire. Let me check my calendar. If somebody says, hey, man, can you run us some Edge of the Empire? I'll be like, what are you doing this weekend? Okay. <laughs> It, it, it the priority has bumped for me. I enjoy playing, but I enjoy GMing more. So right. it's it's that's that's um because if you couldn't tell from this conversation, I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, uh, I idiot. mean that's that's what that's what it comes that what it's what it comes down to for me. So th- that should inform how I mean like in my youth in my in my youth in my youth I would run as many modules as I physically had time for. Okay, Watsy would pay my way back in the day. Yep, I would run. I would run every like me and Bradshaw and Dom. Okay, we would run every available slot. We would run. We would run th- three to four games a day of Star Wars <sighs> every day of the con in my Ute. All right, because I loved it that much. But but it it. it <laughs> I you know now I'll shoot for I'll try and I'll try and try I'll try and do a game a day okay and you know that's
0: yeah see that's kind of what I'm pondering cuz admittedly no no, I, don't, no, I, no 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 this you, is, this is the first
2: con I've gone to okay then you you don't then that's what I'm saying you you don't want to you enjoy that but you need to enjoy Gen Con too you need to yeah. you need to build yourself time to go play and do other things like that if it's your first Gen Con you know don't go overboard with it don't I've go, kind don't go of
0: overboard. I've kind of got it set where I'm like okay I have blocked off two time I've blocked off one time on two days for me it's like, okay, here's a five hour block just because you know it, it gives me a little buffer on either side. Yeah. Where I will run the module. And I will announce that I'm running the module on these days. If I find myself with free time otherwise, pick up game. Otherwise, I'm leaving myself space to go to the con, go to some panels, try to get into the uh, the in-flight report, um, check out some other things hang out with hang out with all you guys yeah because it's my first gen con i have never been i want to experience as much as i can and yet i still want to run for 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 the guy, for the folks for gamer nation because just like you chris i i enjoy running games yeah it's i fun. do it's it's absolute fun and i kind of want to say all right how many of you folks can i can i get at the table how much how much can i play so, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, it also kind of answers the the other topic that I came, that I thought of is, is trying to fit it in with what I wanted to do at the con. Um, Again, all right,
2: so, don't run a module unless that is one of the primary things you want to do
0: at the con. And it is, and it is. And I wouldn't have blocked off at least 10 hours of my uh, Gen Con experience for doing so. Yeah. I mean, I even have these these manic, and I do mean manic, thoughts of, well, maybe if I get some interested parties after the uh, spaghetti factory. You'll, <laughs> Start at, like, 10 o'clock or so. You will. Oh, I um, know I will. You will. But knowing that, I, knowing that I'm going to be one of those few people who's going to be able to get into the exhibit hall at 9 a.m. the next day, Dude, do I really want to be up till 2 or 3 in the morning gaming? You're, and I you're, suppose you're, the answer is going to be yes. The answer will be
2: yes. As long as you're following your 3-2-1 rule, you're fine. Just remember the 3-2-1 remember the rule, and you're good.
0: It was three, two, one.
2: Yeah, three three hours of sleep a day, two meals, one shower.
0: Oh God! That's only <laughs> I'll die on three hours of
2: sleep. The the adre- by the end of the convention, yes, but the adrenaline will be so high
0: you won't care the first couple days. Maybe if I just add an extra hour every night, you know, sure. four hours the next night, five, six. No, it, it works the opposite. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll just buy stock in five-hour energy drink or something like that they uh yes yes win all right then then all right so i guess that leads into my next question getting the players to the table what recommendations do you have for that like there are many ways you could do it i mean there's there's the one way that i i kind of avoided subconsciously i mean i could (laughs) have finished this up and announced it and submitted it to gen con and said hey put this in your calendar um and that being the the open the open table, attention Gen con 2014 um,
2: if you can register the event super early in the year, that's a surefire way to fill your table in a matter of minutes, um, as
0: evidenced by when the schedule went live, and yeah. there were no
2: FFG events left at all none none there there's a surefire way to get to get that to get it filled, okay at this stage of the game, you know at a small con it's viable I, I wouldn't plan on it at Gen con is going to be practically impossible on short notice. Um, you know, and then you have to balance yourself with the fact of who do you do you, do you want to do you want a game with like there, there's a reason I don't I don't register events for any of my stuff anymore. It's all pickup is because of the fact that I
0: you, yeah you mentioned it you
2: I want to yeah. run for my peeps. I mean yeah. I mean I'm still getting the same experience of running for people that I've never played with before um, for the most part. But 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 the same token, I I want to play with people that I know are really going to appreciate the system and the setting, and not some jackass who had a bunch of generics and needed time to kill. Group invites. Uh, yeah um either in person or the the, so, the social medias
0: um yeah the uh, the the sort of example that i give in the show notes is hey uh uh t- hashtag gamer con phil's hashtag gen con mod is running in room 213 in 60 minutes space available that's Pre- certainly one way to to get the word out there and, and get that table filled right
2: precisely um, a couple years back, when we had the three GM uh, Black Nova Gambit Delve for Saga Edition, you yeah. know, where it's eighteen players, we would send out mass tweets, and it's like, here, here, here's where it is, here's when it is. The first eighteen people who will reply to me on Twitter have seats, and that's how I did it. And how successful was that? Extremely. You had uh, eighteen people got their seats within an hour, and then you had another eighteen or twenty show up at the door in case there were no shows did you have any sure you had a couple you had you had a couple something came up uh whatever you know and even then half those people stayed around just to watch (laughs) Um, i mean it was yeah it was remarkably
0: successful um how do you recommend handling that like uh okay so i've got a module with like six people there um should i do you think i should handle that similarly you know first six people to reply to this tweet
2: um, if that's the case, quite frankly, I think you can fill all your sessions uh, Wednesday night if you try hard enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, okay, guys, here's when I'm running. So but that, you know, but that does that really screw over then the folks who uh, can't make it to the spaghetti factory? They've got some other obligation Wednesday night, or or they're not until
2: Thursday. That's your call, dude. That's entirely that's entirely your call. Gotcha. Um, and and uh, honestly, it's one of those things that. Uh, you know, you can say in that case, you know, do Twitter or I've personally had times where I'll have, I'll have listeners that come up to me like, dude, I really want to play in your game, but I, I, you know, can can I, can I get it? Can I get in? Can I get in? And I'll be like, I'll tell you what, give me your cell. Um, I'll put you, and I literally keep a notepad and I'm like, I'll I'll put you, you know, uh, with numbers and I'm like, I'll put your number four right now. Um, I'll, I will, you know, I don't know when I'm running a game next. Um, but it'll be sometime this evening or or tomorrow. I will text you and let you know when, let me know if you can come and and then i would just, you know, do that 6 times until i had 6 players and and you know, we're good. Um the one trepidation and worry i can tell you is you will have people that will be like, "Okay, great, i want in." And i've got 4 people. <laughs> that will happen. Yeah. So How do you handle that? Um i'll be like, "Ah, oh, that's that's a bit much. Um, that's a bit much. I kind of want to keep it a little, a little, a little more diverse. Um, you know, I, I I'll, I'll allow somebody to reserve two seats, basically. For, okay. For me, it's, for, for me and someone else guaranteed. And and I'll oh no, like them and one other person, basically. Oh, okay, okay. You, okay. Follow, you follow? It's, it's yeah. like because you, know, you especially have couples that want to play. You know. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So that that's kind of why. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <sighs> looking forward to that. <laughs> Uh, that should be a, that should that should be some some kind of hilarious fun. Uh and next sort of that, that does that also lead into private invites where you you literally just walk up to folks and say, "Hey, I'm trying to get a group together. Do you want in?"
2: Yeah, I've done that more than once. Um Nice. I've done nice. That, I've done that more than once. One of my one of my gen kind of a few years back, I know I went up to Sterling. I don't know if he's still on chat. I was like, "Sterling, man, I'm running a game. You want in?" and he was like yeah sure we, we met met in the lobby and it was you know him and a few other people and and they were like oh my gosh, sterlinger she and then <laughs> and, and uh uh you know we we went ahead and did that um uh there was an, another time uh for um uh, uh for I've I've done that with Gary Asselford. I did that with Gary Sarley once um uh him and and the bc and the bcg guys i was like hey this is a group yeah. of 6 you guys want to play and, uh, yeah. Ugh, Sarley. Gosh. Yeah. He left two-thirds of the way through the game because he forgot he had another commitment. I'm like, oh, that's great. And, <laughs> and he was the worst rules lawyer I've ever
1: encountered.
2: <laughs> anyway. Well, the dude ran a column based on it, man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying, you know. I will. I will say
2: he. It uh, was. It was one of those things. He's. It was like we we're having some argument. I forget what rule it was about. I'm like, well, no. I'm pretty sure it works this way. He's like, no, it works. It works the way I, I think it does. I'm like, are you sure? He goes, yeah, I wrote it. And <laughs> and I that really
0: I, I, kind of almost ends any leverage. Well, you but, but this
2: is me. Almost so this is almost. this
0: is me. So I looked at him.
2: I said, okay, that makes sense. F- right now, for this combat, we're gonna run it my way.
0: Boom! 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 boom. And, the, and, he, and he he
2: was literally like, okay, 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 <laughs> and I was nice about it, but <sighs> oh, I'm glad you remember that, Sterling. That was a fun game. We had fun. That's Sterling's nice fun. saying I remember that.
0: I, I got to admit that I am I am hoping for that little rock star moment of of or little I should say a little groovy moment of playing with the rock star. Uh, you know, someone from FFG. You'll get, get you and Dave in a game, oh, yeah. something like that. Oh, it, okay. Okay. Now, getting to play with an actual rock star is even more fun.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I know it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> so uh, the last year we ran Black Nova Gambit, Andy Hurley, you know, from Fallout yep. Boy, was like, yep. hey, I'd really like to get in, you know, and, and he was one of the first to respond on on Twitter. And I'm like, hey, you're in, man. So he was actually, I put him at Bradshaw's table and didn't tell Bradshaw that's who he was running with. He had no idea. And so it's like, hey, I'm Kevin, I'm Jim, I'm Jennifer, I'm Andy. I'm <laughs> and, and after it was all said and done, I'm like, so you had Andy Hurley at your table? He's like, that was Andy Hurley?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, <laughs> Did he punch you? <laughs> <laughs> he noogied me. Sam, uh, 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 very good, very good. I, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that was Andy. Ah... Uh, all right so that's the organization that's getting everything set up um speaking of organization yeah um this is the one thing that i'm i'm actually most paranoid about i'm anxious about running it i'm paranoid about this running the actual adventure logistically um making sure that i have everything that i need with me before i get on the damn plane to gen con sure um boy do
2: i have advice for you here
0: <laughs> Fire away, sir! Take it and run! Pick up that hot ball and go!
2: Okay, I want you to go to Office Depot, and I want you to get a uh, $2 plastic accordion file folder. Okay? Okay. They make them. They're wonderful. Yes. Um, you will get one of those, and you will have one of these folders devoted to each mod you create. In that folder will be everything that is needed to run it, minus maps, minis, and dice. Okay. Everything you need to run it. All the character sheets will be there. Your adventure will be pre-printed, and it will be there. Any handouts or note cards you have will be in there. Um, anything you need will be in there. If you're just wanting run, running one mod, put everything in there. Your GM screen, because it's 8.5 by 11 when folded, will fit nicely in there. Okay? At, when I was at Office Depot, I picked up an 8.5 by 11 dry erase board. Okay? It is mm-hmm. half an inch thick. It also slides in there, okay? I use that dry erase board for initiative. I use it for, for um, uh, uh, wounds and strain that my NPCs have taken. Mm. Okay? I use it for everything. It all slides into that thing. So I have this one little package that fits into a messenger bag. that has got everything I need in it minus books, okay? Books, maps, and minis. Okay. When you are running the game, I highly recommend a little dry erase board. Um, if you have laminated maps like I do, you could also, like, scoot one forward and write on the map, but that can get a little cumbersome. Um, sure. I love the dry erase board. Okay? It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and just wipe it away. Wipe it away. Wipe it away. Are you laminating your character sheets or are you using paper sheets? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm using paper sheets. Okay. Then have as many copies as you need to run the game as many times as you're going to. Okay. Okay. Um, I personally... Um, there's a, I don't know if you have anything up there. Lamination can be a little expensive. Hell yes, it can. I found a company down here. It's actually a storefront, a place called U.S. Toy, or in some states it's called Constructive Playthings. It's a teacher's supply store. They have a lamination machine in there, and they will laminate 25 cents a foot. Oh! Yeah, and it's, it's like, uh, 24, so 24 inches wide, and then 25 cents a foot in length. And I will literally take my stuff down there and I will give them everything. And I will just say run it through. And when it's all done, I've spent about $4 and laminated every character sheet, every card, every everything. And then at that point, if you do lamination, you want to have it sure you have wet erase markers. Okay. Uh, that because uh, you don't want dry erase because they'll get smudged on a on a character sheet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you get wet erase and, you know, have a little, little squ- spritzer bottle at the table and some paper towels and so people can erase their character sheets and do stuff. That's how I prefer to do it. Um, 25
3: th- cents.
2: A square foot. Yeah, if you can find it. Um, it's. Oh, it's, my God. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, if you have a Costco nearby... Their stuff, yeah. their stuff comes and goes, but I picked up a personal laminator there with um, fifty eight and a half by eleven lamination sheets and a bunch of photo size sheets for thirty bucks,
1: hmm.
2: um, and that's kind of cool. Um, so anyway, there's that option. Um, while you're picking up your dry erase board, you're gonna want to pick up some dry erase markers, right? Sure. You're gonna want to make sure you have <laughs> a black and two other colors. I personally prefer red and blue. Yeah. Okay. When you're writing down your PC's initiatives, you write them down in in blue. When you're writing down the NPC initiatives, you write them down in red. Use black for everything else. Sure. Okay? And that way, you know, you can distinguish by color. It's quick and it's easy. Um, Who's going when? I also keep a third color on hand, green, in case I have a third party that's coming into the fray. Yeah. Um, Minis. Separate out your minis and put them in individual Ziploc baggies by encounter. Okay. Um, I even do a separate Ziploc baggie just for the PCs. So those that si- makes sense. So those six minis. Here you go. Here's your minis. Boom. Okay. You get those little snack
0: bags. Yep. You know, the the, the half size. Yo, ones.
2: the snack bags are beautiful. Okay. Separate out your minis by encounter. That way you have what you need. You don't have to go digging for it when it's done. You throw it back in the bag. You grab the new bag you need. I even go so far with sharpies to write on the bag. Encounter one. Encounter two. Encounter three. Okay.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant.
2: Um, maps are a bit trickier. Um, are you using printed maps?
0: <laughs> Hell yes. How are you planning
2: on transporting these?
0: Um, I conveniently have a suitcase that is going to be big enough to hold them because I bought a suitcase specifically big enough for a 32-inch lightsaber blade.
2: Okay. How are you planning on transporting them
0: around the convention? Um, I believe I have a cardboard tube... That will fit my maps if I roll them up tight enough.
2: Okay. So, again, speaking from personal experience, here's the problem with a tightly rolled map. It stays tightly rolled. It stays tightly rolled. So, looser rolled is better. Yep. Transport them how you will, okay? Yep. Maybe you have laying around your house, or maybe you want to go to Wally World and get a D-clip web uh, strap. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, like, yes, yes, like, yes, Okay. Take the maps you need, roll them loosely, around, and and use the D the D clip strap to tighten them to where you're looking at probably around a six inch diameter. Okay. Okay. They're not going to get super crunched or squished. They're strapped, so you can easily put them underneath your arm or tie them to your bag. Okay. And and you're good to go. Additionally, something else from experience: if you are going to roll the maps, um, are you using some maps that are you using the same side? Like like both sides of the same map in some cases? No, no. I, I physically had to print both these maps. That's fantastic. When you roll them, make sure that the the map side is on the concave part of the roll. So when you roll it, you can see the map side. Okay? When Oh, Re- uh, really? Well, think about it. When you unfurl it, even if it still has, if it retains that rolled shape, when you put it on the table, it will be rolling down, not up. And thus the weight of the minis and character sheets and
0: other books that are kind of touching the edge of the map will help keep it down hmm okay I, w- I always I, I would think that you'd want to roll it in so that you could kind of protect the surface just in case well are, there, are these paper maps or laminated maps uh, neither it's I had them printed on polyvinyl oh
2: then it's yeah you should be fine okay cool you should be you should be you should be hunky dory all right dig it um, uh, do you have any handouts for the players <sighs>
0: Other than the character sheets I don't believe so nothing leaps to mind okay yeah no I don't have any I don't have any handouts all right so any
2: backgrounds for the players anything like that
0: yes every character sheet two page character sheet has a third page which is background history for that PC okay um, in like three paragraphs if that
2: okay then you should be good there um, I was gonna say I, 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 I try to keep my character sheets my character backgrounds to a note card and I'll usually laminate it and hand it out to them.
0: Yeah. No, um, this, this is effectively the same thing. Okay. You know, it's not too big. It's maybe like a third to a half a page tops, and with a second picture of that character.
2: Okay. Um, I recommend you bring a GM screen with you for one reason only. That way you don't have to ever crack a book. Tables. Tables, tables, tables. That's why you have the GM screen. I don't personally play with it up, um, just because my players enjoy seeing my dice rolls as much as I enjoy seeing theirs. Um, uh. But again... If you want to fudge, you need a GM screen. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I want to fudge. I mean, I like what you did with you. You have that whole hex uh, octagonal rolling tray. Yeah. Um. One of my one of my good buddies, uh, Eric and Anne Marie, they they actually played the module with us, the Dead Man's Hand. Mm-hmm. Um. They for my birthday, uh, they gave me a die rolling tray.
2: <laughs> how th- <laughs> how how tall is it? How thick is it?
0: Um, it's, it's, it's got like a, uh inch and a half, two inch high side. Beautiful. It's perfect. It's perfect for rolling dice in.
2: Okay. So, so my, my kit and those of you, those who are not watching live are just missing out. This is my, this is my octagonal rolling tray and this is it right here. Okay. I have a dice bag that has all of my Imp- edge of the empire dice in it. And destiny point tokens. Have you thought about destiny point tokens, Phil? Yes, I have. Okay. Are you just using the, the ones that come with the dice, the punch outs or what?
0: Yep. Because I've also got the beginner's box set. So that means I've got like 11 or 12 of them. Beautiful. I which per- should be enough.
2: I have those two. I still use my original Othello tokens I was using since the beta because yeah. I like, I like the heft and the feel better. Okay. So this little bag has all my dice in it and all my tokens in it for destiny points. It lies flat in my octagonal tray along with any and all of my dry erase markers will go right in here. And then as a unit, this thing can slide right into my game bag. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have it all handy.
0: I have this nice handy-dandy D20 radio bag that I have tucked most of that into. Ah,
2: so. Ah, so. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: So that's, uh... oh, hey, Sterling's in chat. He says architectural engineering drawings are rolled drawing side out for the same reasons. Makes sense. Makes sense. And the architect would know. Um, that he would. So, dude, minis, maps, uh, you got your minis separated, you got your dice there. Do not, if you are going to be a courteous GM, do not rely on your players to provide dice. Nope. How many, nope, di- nope, how nope. many dice sets do you have? Two? I, uh, act Technically, I've got four. Beautiful. Okay, that's more than enough.
0: I've got two that are stickered. From the two beta books I've got and two that are actual official dice.
2: Okay. Players will come to the table with their own dice, and that's cool. You should encourage it. Additionally, because we are gamers, people will freak out if the dice start mixing. <laughs> yup. All right. They do. I had it happen to me last weekend. Okay. People will freak the hell out. You'll see them get cringe. As a GM, as the de facto leader of that table, Make eye contact with the player and smile and be like, dude, it's cool. I know exactly how many dice are in each set. We'll sort it out afterwards and make sure we all have the right amount of dice. And you will see them visibly relax. Having said that, you need to make sure you know exactly what dice are in a set. Yes. (laughs) All right. And the answer is uh, two yellow, three green, one red, three purple, two blue, two black, two force dice. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, if you need to just scroll that on a note card for yourself, no, no, it's one force die, th- oh, one force die. Thank you, one force die. One force die. See, I even mean, I get it wrong. Okay,
0: I know because I only have four force dice. <laughs> exactly. So um, that's why, if I am sharing my dice, I will share my stickered ones. If someone's like, uh, if, they, if for example, if someone has like three force rating, whatever, in my module, they can have three force rating, and like, oh, I've only got two. I will toss them my stickered one because then I absolutely know which one comes back to me. So and people, is, people like
2: that. So there, there is that. But you know, other than that, you got that done, man. You're ready to run your module, unless you want to go crazy with uh, music or anything like that.
0: And I'm thinking about it. I know that Serenscape now has an app in, uh, uh for Apple and uh, and Android. And I have picked it up because I do have a, I do have a tablet, and I'm pondering it. I just don't know if I've got the time to really to to flesh it all out in time for Gen Con. But yeah, it's but yeah.
2: It also realized that it's wasted. Unless you're playing in a confined space. I mean, you want, yeah. one, you're going to have a hard time hearing it, and if to get the players to hear it, you're going to get the volume to a point that it's going to start annoying and being disrespectful to the other gamers that are playing other games nearby.
0: Yeah, that was kind of the other reason why I was kind of ambivalent on the whole yeah. concept at this point. Dude, home game, online game, I'm using
2: soundtracks every single time. Con yep. game, not so much. Right, dig it.
0: Um, so here's a, here, here's a, a sort of an etiquette thing that I wanted to ask. Um, what happens if an original, if I get, I get everyone signed up and I, I I say, okay, be here in two hours and like, Oh, great. Wonderful. And I sit down and three people show and a couple other folks show up who weren't, who who didn't respond immediately. And they're sort of on the waiting list in your, what have you done in that instance? How long have you waited before the original person to show? 10 minutes, 10 minutes,
2: 10 minutes at a con. You might go 15 people are walking. Sometimes it's a hard time. On your initial announcement, however you make it, you need to say, um, you know, we'll hold your spot for 15 minutes or we'll hold your spot for 10 minutes. After Set that, the expectation. After that, start start accept- accepting walk-ups. I believe for official events, um, walk-ups, lo- walk-ups uh, they can start playing. But if the ticketed holder arrives, I believe it's been so long since I've run a canned event at Gen Con. I believe, um, I believe it's 15 or 20, maybe 20 minutes um, into the event of an of like a four hour RPG event that the walk up has to give their seat back up to the uh, uh, to the ticketed holder. Um, gotcha. So I mean, I honestly, I for something like this where everyone's gonna be so excited to play with you, I think ten to fifteen minutes or fifteen minutes is a really good a really good uh, uh, way to go about doing that. Sounds good. Also, Sounds be good. prepared to adjudicate the nasty. You're going, to have, you're going to have somebody who's – you're going to have somebody who agreed and he's part of your quote-unquote ticketed list, okay, one of the first to respond. Sure. And he's going to come with a buddy, okay, who's not part of that list and is hoping for a walk-on role. And then you're going to have all the players show up and the buddy has nowhere to play and the other player is going to look at you with puppy dog eyes longing and like, I want to play with my friend, okay? you got to be prepared to deal with that situation. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I had a um, – <clears throat> you know, uh, the, the first time I ran uh, Black Nova Gambit, uh, you know, the huge 18-man, 3GM thing, um, I had a situation where I flat-out messed up, and I over-promised a seat, okay? Ooh. Um, <clears throat> because, it, basically, I, I took down 19 names instead of 18. The bottom line came down to it. So I, I had a player who, legitimately, I told, was going to be able to play, who who was going to have to sit, sit, basically, and give up a seat. Um, and uh Ender, A-E-N-D-E-R, um, on our forums, um, a fellow by the name of John, uh, who remains one of the classiest, nicest people I've ever met, and one of the people I truly, truly love interacting with, and seeing, and gaming with at every Gen Con. He's just an amazing gamer and an amazing person. Sure, um, he was the guy who stood up and said, "You know, this amazing experience. He's like, it's okay, man. I'll, I, I'll, I'll take a pass. It's okay." Um, and he was one of the first people to respond, and th- that that level of class just exudes. Um, and that's classy. It's 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 classy as hell. Um, you know, but that's the kind of person that
0: John is. So. Yeah. Good to know. Be prepared. And ultimately, that's kind of the uh, the whole encompassing theme of all this. Just be prepared. As prepared as you can be. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah do. Expect you
0: expect it to survive exactly five minutes of interaction with the enemy. Total, I mean, the PCs. To- totally, <laughs> totally. Um, Sterling also brought up in the
2: chat, he's saying the DICE app. So many people have the DICE app now. Oh, yeah. 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 And you can always tell the people that are using it. Um, and they they prefer to use it. I like my hands on tactile dice. I like to feel the dice.
0: Yep. So that's just me. I'm totally with you. <laughs> I grew up with dice, man. I
2: grew up with dice, man.
0: Still got my original red one from my original red box. Ooh, yep. 15. Not bad. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, Gamer Nation, that's, that's kind of it. I hope that we've... At least given you the the roadmap to how to do con- concept writing and running of a convention module. Um, Chris, thanks for really your just me allowing me to pick your brain for two hours. It seems sure, man. I hope it was helpful, and I hope it was helpful to the listeners out there.
2: We know Phil and I've been uh, Phil hit me up with this idea a while back, and we thought it you know coming into Gen Con this close, thought it might be a, a reasonable thing to do and a pretty good idea. Um, so hopefully you guys are going to get some. Some solid, solid use out of it I hope we'll find out in two weeks. <laughs> no joke, I am so excited, but uh yeah, well, that was an incredibly long discussion seriously <laughs> something about interviews
0: taking two hours, even in when it's between us yes, well, it uh, uh ho- hopefully uh, hopefully this this helped so
2: a uh, good suggestion, Phil, thank you, guys, thank you for hanging in this long. I hope you've imparted some wisdom to you um. And thank you, Eric, for first bringing it up yes yes um uh, a, a good bit ago uh so gosh, in two weeks' time we will be well two weeks from now, I will be sleeping. on a plane I'll, I'll be I'll be sleeping in preparation for a four a m drive out back to Dallas. Um, I'll be on a plane, yes, you'll be on a plane um in shorter after Gen con guys, we are planning to dig heavy and deep into age of rebellion um and probably um hope fingers crossed some cool things that will be dropping at Gen con. <laughs> fingers toes ankles wrists crossed all of them a man can hope a man can hope and dream uh but until then of course guys i hope to see a lot of you at gen con um and for those who can't go uh we will be relaying the goodness to you um come up introduce yourselves i'd yes. we'll be happy to say hi please we're very happy to say hi i hope to see you all at the event um, we will be posting continuously throughout the convention And of course for future casts Head over to d20radio.com forums Register, post your mind Also leave us a liner Haven't gotten one in a, in a couple weeks Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast 262-D20-RADIO That's 262-320-7234 We want to hear it oh, I am uh, terribly, terribly excited It's going to be a, a whirlwind week But a lot of fun
0: Hell yes it is.
2: Hell yes it is. Hell yes it is. And for all of you listening out there, get to a con, even if it's not one of the big shows, and start running some mods. You'll become a much better GM for it.
0: Damn right. right.
2: Well, this is GM Chris, wishing you peace, love, and good gaming.
0: And this is GM Phil. May the dice be with you.
2: This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, twentieth
0: Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items, are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including in audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order Sixty Six Podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. show. Sure.
2: Yeah, no messages from the Edge tonight, man. We knew we had this massive, massive, massive meet. <laughs> we are like, oh, oh, God, we'll do moderator and then the meet. And then we want to have a little time for post-show. So,
0: Yes. So, and Speaking of the <clears throat> gentleman who, uh, who we hear at the very beginning of the post-show, Sam's actually going to be in town this co- next weekend. Boston are- Comic-Con. That's right. He is. Yeah. Yes, he is.
2: Um yeah. going to be a coup. going to be a coup. Yeah,
0: I probably won't see him. <laughs> Because he's probably off sequestered in you know in the in the guest area, and then the the fan photo experience that all these freaking cons have these days. Forty dollars for your picture with someone else. Yep, 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 yep. Um, but no, no. It, it, you know, because he's a he's a five hundred first honorary member. It, it would be cool if he could swing by because we've got this really neat display over at us. We've we've and I was actually out earlier today painting it. Um. We built the trash compactor. Nice. With the Dianoga and the tentacle. and <laughs> That's fantastic. It, that thing is huge. It's like eight feet by six feet by eight feet. It's you want you to take some pics? Damn right we're taking pics. You better post it up on D20 Radio on Facebook. D- that's all I'm saying. Damn right we will. Okay. That damn right we will.
2: Okay. Good, good, good. Um, oh, that's exciting.
0: So I haven't... Um, I have I have yet to see Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm seeing it tomorrow. I've already bought my tickets. Uh, wanted to go see it today with the wife, but uh, all the good seats were sold out. We've got this uh, we, the AMC theater up here. They've got those wonderful big cushy seats where you can actually reserve seats. Oh my! Um, but like all the only seats that were available is the very front row and the back right and left corner. So I'm like, nah, screw that. We'll go Monday. So, so I'm gonna I, see it tomorrow.
2: Like Bradshaw told me, it was the best Marvel film he's ever seen. Wow. I got another good friend that said. Uh, it was far from the best Marvel film he's seen. It was more along the line, quality of, like, maybe Thor 1.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Um, um I've, I... In chat, uh, you know, William is, like, uh, best... It was the best Star Wars film I've seen in years. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm hearing these massively mixed opinions about it. Um, I mean, no one said it sucked, but, you know, there was... Uh,
0: I, have, I have yet to see a negative review about it.
2: Yeah, I've seen a couple, but, um... Uh, if, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, there's a few, but okay. but even then, it's it's uh, there's a lot of fanboy rage, and the one the one the one major critique that I can believe is to say Dave 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 Batista cannot act his way out of a freaking paper bag, <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like I, I was watching some review and they're like what it, you know you got you got to think like maybe a week into shooting it's like maybe the AD or somebody pulls pulls the director aside and it's
0: like okay so we got a problem he he can't act. <laughs> I, I realize we need some giant muscle bound Neanderthal, but
2: come on, he, he really, really can't act. So what, what do we? You know why? Why? Why does he have so many lines? Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I'm, yeah, it's 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 there and it's exciting. Um, okay, dude, we have um, Gamer Nation Studios, right? Yeah, yep. Um, we have reached an agreement with um, a fellow by the name of Sean Story, who is um, a game designer. And we have found a new title that we are going to be bringing with us to Gen Con, and we'll be playtesting the living hell out of it at Gen Con, along with several other titles that we're bringing to playtest. Ooh. Um, And this title is actually, Sean made it two years ago and self-published it, meaning he's been assembling it himself and producing it in these tiny, 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 tiny batch quantities, like 20 or 30 at a time, and taking them to local conventions here in the DFW area to sell them. What is it? The game is called Quintessence, the fifth element. Okay. Yes, and the fifth element, in terms of the uh, Aristotelian, er, is that a, Aristotle, er, er, Aristotelian, Aristolean, Aristotelian? I don't know. What what Aristotle assumed to be the fifth element? You know, the 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 he the the he he only, he only called it the fifth element. He called it the perfect element, right? Sure, sure, sure. It, it, you know, in in his cosmology, it was it was like what stars and space and divinity was made out of, right? Whereas the basic four were earth, wind, fire, and
0: uh, um, uh, water, right? And it was a key, you know, and mage used that as a key component, right? In uh, well, White Wolf, right? In White Wolf, exactly.
2: In the Middle Ages, they took that concept and they actually gave it a name called ether. Yep, um, you know the the ether. And uh, the so the idea is that the players are alchemists that are competing to be the first to create five five of the fifth element. Okay, and the elements are represented by dice. You have you have yellow for air, blue for water, red for fire, green for earth, and white is the fifth element. Right. Okay. And you start with one of each, and it is a combination of worker placement, dice rolling, bidding, and engine building. So as an alchemist, you start out with this small lab of cards that represent different catalyst reactions. And you take the dice you've rolled and you put them on these card recipes to convert them or create new different elements, which, which gets you a new dice from the stockpile. Okay. And your goal is to get up to these specialty forges that allow you to destroy Elements to create a fifth, a a white die, and the first person to create five wins. And it, it is, but the idea is that these these you know activating one of these one of these cards that you have in front of you, which is one of these these alchemical formulas or catalysts, is requires one of your workers, and you only have so many, right? So there's worker placement, but you can chain the damn things together. So I can place one worker, and I can chain my reaction to another card, to another card, to another card if it works. To where I can have this massive engine of alchemical reactions, and um, like I say, it's been it's been honestly in play testing because it's been in pseudo production for two years now, and we came across it at Dallas Games Marathon recently, and we were so taken with it, we contacted Sean, and he was just a bit of pleasure to work with, and is eager, eager, eager for Gamer Nation Studios to produce it. So, dude, yeah, yeah, it's there's seventy six dice in the game, and uh, about fifty two cards. Um, and in the version he produces, which is very expensive, there's also dice cups and little velvet bags. Um, sure. We're going to try and do that if we can reach our goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, naturally. But, uh, yeah, and, like, glass tokens for the workers and all that jazz. But um, No, no, it's uh, it's it's uh, very, very pleased. I, I definitely have got to get some play with you. I think you'll get a real enjoyment out of it um, at Gen con oh, oh, I have a
0: hunch there. that, you know, over the course of the con, I will probably spend the better part of a working day at Gamer Nation Studios, just playing the various games you've got.
2: You'll spend the better part of a working day in the
0: dealer hall, man. Oh well, that's not a question. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already accounting for that as well. <laughs> yeah, will most definitely be in the. I I, I got to admit, I love exhibit halls. I love exhibit halls. I love the exhibitors. I love going there, seeing the displays, seeing by the companies, you know, rubbing elbows with the with the the folks from the from the uh, from the companies. Game designers, uh, devs, all, the, all that good stuff. I love it. Yeah. It's always my favorite part of like the old Celebration, Star Trek conventions, and, and all the various origins I've been to. Love it. Well, you'll have fun, man. It's, it's Mecca. The only question is, will my wallet allow me to have as much fun as I want? And the answer is no. <laughs> well,
2: um, if, you, if, you, if you know something that you, you want to buy there that you know will probably sell out quickly... Buy it immediately.
0: Hell yeah! Otherwise, Absolutely.
2: otherwise, take the run of the hall before you buy something. Um, like if there's an FFG product that will drop at at the con, buy it immediately because oh, at nine oh one, I my ass is at the gen is at the uh, the the FFG booth. It's it's nice to be a dealer. <laughs> um, uh, so you know, there's 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 that there's that going on. It's nice to be a dealer. It's nice to be a vig. That's right. So. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: also nice to have some friends in the company, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it,
2: it 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 is it is handy, it is nice. So so yeah, it's uh it's gonna be fun. I'm I'm very, very excited. So yeah, there's so we got we're we're demoing that. We're demoing uh we got two or three events with Jay Little to demo um Patient Zero, Patient Zero. which yep. is
0: you you got to play. Um you, no, no you haven't
2: gotten to play that, have you?
0: My brother Andrew did. Andrew did I didn't. I That's want right. to I want to play that game. Um, what now where is, he mentioned that there were some slots and some signups. Is this through the, the Gen Con Gen Con yeah, site? Yeah, these or? are,
2: yes, these are registered Gen Con events.
1: Uh,
2: all i right. all, um, all everything except Quint quintessential. We, we call it Quint for short. Sure. Um, everything except Quint, which, because we just, we just reached an agreement with Sean. Um, so we didn't have time to register any events. Everything except Quint actually has cataloged demo events. So, so, Patient Zero, Eons Dice, and Pillage will all have uh, physical events at Gen Con.
0: Like, okay. in the cataloged events. I gotta check out Patient Zero, find out if there's anything left that I can do at this point, or whether I have to wait till the actual con. I think registration's over, I don't think I can get them. I think I just have to, if I order them now, they come out later.
2: Well, I'm willing to bet, um, you know, that you could probably hit me up at the convention. Maybe <laughs> and I'm I'm willing to bet we could probably throw down a game. I'm just uh Wednesday night might if, if if you end up if you end up running or not might might be a wonderful time to do something like that. Yeah. So, just saying. So up up to you entirely entirely up to you. Right on. Um, right on. I think either Dave or I might have to leave the D20 radio event early um as will some of our special guests because the Diana Jones uh awards starts at 8 I believe. What is that? Google it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um do Google it. It's it's kind of I don't I don't want to say it's it's saying it's the Oscars for the RPG industry would be a little bit of a misnomer. Mm. Um but it it's
0: it's It's okay. not the Annies. Okay, well no, let's let's talk about this. What is the Annies, Phil? What is it? See, I <sighs> Okay, now that I think about it, I think about the Origin Awards. I think about the ennies The Ennies kind of touts itself as as the the ultimate in, uh, in in the awards for for the gaming industry. They they have but, they have built that moniker up for themselves. Yes, but honestly,
2: it feels more, more like the Billboard Awards, and it very much is um, because because unlike the Oscars or the Grammys or anything like that, the N.E.s are fan voted. Okay, yeah. So so you have Judges um, uh, that, that – uh, and by the way, uh, Garrett Crow um, uh, from Barefoot Tour Guide, uh, yep. who for, for Threat Detective we just kicked off. I know he's applying uh, to be one of the Annie's judges uh, next year. Um, yep. And if there's – I think there's still time for, to, to vote for him. Yes. So I think so too. Um, so guys, head to the Annie's website and go do so. Um, please do. Yeah, please do. But uh, the idea is that the, the judge's job is to determine the nominees – Sure. Okay. So to get submitted, you have to be submitted, which means which means you kind of have to submit yourself. Um, so you submit yourself and say, "Hey, here we go. I, th- I think I think I'm worthy." And then the judges will go, um, you know, shaboom, shebang. And the submissions are public, by the way. They're right. They're on the website. You can see who submitted. Um, right. It's like I heard somebody whine that FFG didn't have any Edge of the Empire uh, any nominations this year because they didn't submit. I was like, well, they didn't submit anything this year. Um, and they were like, Huh? and I had to explain it to them. <laughs> it's like, well, they didn't submit anything this year. Um, I think, yeah, okay. Anyway, so, uh, so what are these awards? These would be more like the
0: Oscars. This is,
2: okay. this is industry people rewarding and awarding industry people. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So totally well, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but if you want to know more about Diana Jones and who she was, I mean, you can, you can go- Google it. Um, I, I, I know, I know a few things, but I don't want to get anything wrong. Okay. Um, that's fair. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I know, I know, I know like Sterling, I know he was going to have to leave a bit early to go to Diana Jones. I don't blame him. Um, so yeah. Dude's a busy man. He's a very busy man. He's a very busy man. I'm looking forward to seeing him and, and his wife, Mary, both. Excellent. So, Yeah.
0: It's all good. That's another thing I'm looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to meeting the people. know, not I mean, yes, I'm very I'm I'm very excited to have a chance to like you know meet Sterling, meet Jay, meet Sam, Stewart, and 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 Fish, and and Zoe, but. You know, there's it's all these people whose names and avatars I've been looking at the boards for for five years. You know, I got to experience some of that when I came down to uh, Reapercon, not yeah. this past year but the year before. Yeah, um, and I'm also looking forward to trying to do it by hopefully hitting Gamer Nation Con two in next you know in 2015. But I know a lot of the Gamer Nation comes out to this, and I'm I'm excited to meet you guys. Yeah,
2: I am. Um it's interesting we had a bigger d20 radio presence at gamer nation con this past spring than I've ever seen at Gen con we might I we, believe it we might have we might have f- 50 or 60 people that are d20 radio devotees seek us out and find us at Gen con but it's so big gamer nation yeah. con you know there's 150 people there that are nothing but <laughs> 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 it's like we are here because of you we are here because of the d20 radio network and we flew in from BFE to you know, and, and that was awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, oh, I I cannot wait. So yeah, yeah. The, but so yeah, that's 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 that man. And it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I can tell you're you're vibrating. You're buzzing. But you're gonna have <sighs> a you're gonna have a lot of fun. It'll be good.
0: I will say this because you've already announced it that you are having Gamer Nation Con yeah, two yeah. next year. Um, I will. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm lining myself. To, uh, I'm lining up myself to be able to show up, and assuming that I do, I will most definitely be bringing. Um, I'm kind of hemming and hawing on the title. I'm just going to call it the Big Leagues because it's kind of a double meaning there for to call the module the Big Leagues. Oh. Um, I, I will be bringing the Big Leagues module down there, and I will run that at least four times because there are technically four different PC parties. Um, anyone who hasn't listened to the the PC parties are the companion characters from the Republic heroes in the Old Republic. So you're playing Havoc Squad, you're playing uh, Kira Carson and T7 and Lord Scourge, or you're playing Corso Riggs and and Risha and all those uh, those are the PC parties. Because hey, they're balanced. You've got melee characters, ranged characters, technical characters, medics, social characters... (laughs) It's great. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's it's true. Um, yeah, that's really that's really cool. I'm interested to see how you handled uh, force ratings and force abilities. Uh,
0: the, really? Um, the PCs, they, they all ended up with, uh, any force user ended up with, well, with one exception, ended up with force rating of three. Okay. Force rating of three was a good, solid number. Um, the only one who didn't was Gus Tuno, the Mon Cal... Charlatan who was a Padawan but realized he liked money more than the more than the Jedi Order. So I mean, are you? But have you used the published material so far? Have you used any of your homebrew stuff? I've combination of the two. Combination of the two. Um, Yoon, who is a Gand Feinsman, he is pure. He is pure FFG rules. He's absolutely pure FFG rules because he can be. He's just a Gan Findsman. He's got Force C, he's got Enhance, Force Rating 2, Force Sensitive Exile, I think. Is that what I gave? No, Emergent. I gave him Emergent. Okay. Uh, Force so he's pure, he's pure FFG. Pure FFG. But someone like Kira Carson and Nadia and Lord Scourge, who are all Jedi, or in Scourge's case, a Sith Lord. Um their combination of my homebrew rule, homebrewed rule rules, so they 've got a couple of my homebrewed talents in there, which I hope some folks find kind of fun and no i'm not gonna make any changes to that setup based on anything that may happen in the force and destiny beta if it's there and available, although it might get worked in to to stuff later on down the line
2: oh so I was gonna say is after if 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 the beta drops, will you update it not for Gen con but
0: later on like Probably okay. Probably because I want to know how things are going to work, especially like lightsabers and 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 some basic force powers and you know some talents. Because I know, I mean, I mean,
2: you're running with the with the with the double challenge rule, double challenge dice rule for lightsabers, right?
0: I am currently. Um, although this past weekend I roleplayed it, at, I I I did run it as just a single upgrade, and I actually found that to be pretty good too. Really, a single upgrade to the dice instead of two upgrades. But yeah, I'm kind of hemming and hawing. But right now, it's in there as, as a double upgrade to a melee check. So for listeners who are wondering what we're talking about, so Phil obviously, and it's dude, this is available on your blog. Pimp out your blog, by the way. Of uh, fragments from the rim, my 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 usual bit for you guys. Uh, the fragments from the rim blog. It's actually gotten to the point where if you type in, or at least if I type in, fragments from the rim to a Google um, to a Google search, my my blog pops up above the fragments from the rim galaxy guide nine entry on w- Wikipedia. <laughs>
2: So your most recent version of these home rules is, I think, was you finished up, what, the start of this year? Yeah, Edge,
0: uh, Edge of the Jedi was, version
2: 3 was in February, March, somewhere yeah. on there. So, guys, if you haven't checked this out, go freaking check it out. Um, I mean, uh, because it, it's it's a wonderful exercise that Phil's done and actually shows off his development chops quite a bit. Is He he created a true Jedi career with three specs, which equate to the the Consular, the Guardian, and the Sentinel,
0: and, and three universal trees, which equate to the lightsaber talents. Yeah, and, and uh, they're wicked. That was actually something I had fun with, because I like, okay, I don't want seven frickin' trees. Uh, you guys remember the old, uh, the old version of the show, where my last run of Fragments on the Rim was me highlighting the seven, seven forms, forms of lightsaber yeah. combat. Yeah, And I didn't want to do that in Seven Trees, because that, got just,
2: that just got ridiculous. But so many of the trees are so similar in terms of their core concepts.
0: Exactly, or so many and other
2: forms. I mean, so
0: they're evolutions of earlier forms, and that's how I that's how I designed those trees. I looked at okay, what are the basic forms, and I went back to the you know the Kyle Katarn Jedi Outcast video games where you had three lightsaber forms: God, Bal- they, medium, fast, and slow. Yeah, it was medium, strong, strong, strong. It was, it was, it was. It
2: was uh... Yeah, fast, balanced, and strong. Was that it, or something like that? Yeah, like that.
0: I don't think it was balanced. I think it was just medium. Yeah, that's right. And medium. That's right. Medium was silly. So I'm like, oh, I'll call it balanced. Yeah, that'll do.
2: Yeah, and so yeah, that was. I mean, it's it's well done and um, a phenomenal resource. And I know we've I've run some of it here in Dallas, and um, we determined a while back that at least the house rule that worked best for us to make lightsabers more balanced were was that the base difficulty for a lightsaber attack wasn't too purple. It was too red. Cause so much can happen. Yeah, that that risk of despair is one. They're harder to use, and and then and then if you mess up, you really mess up. So, it, it's, man, they're cutting through everything with those lightsabers. Yeah, I mean it's 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 ridiculous. But correct me if I'm wrong. You had talents in some of your trees that reduced that difficulty.
0: No, I didn't. Okay,
2: that must have been another one of the homebrews I was thinking of.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't have that. And um, I've got like three yeah. sets. Because because I, I love the idea of
2: developing a talent that would be maybe, maybe maybe you know fourth tier okay or third tier that would reduce that 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 would downgrade that difficulty. Mm. So as you get more experience with a lightsaber, you're not dealing with that concern as
0: much. I could see that that'd be pretty. Deep. And, you can,
1: pretty
2: it, and you can make it and you could make it a rank talent, you know, up to two ranks, you know, and and yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. For every rank you downgrade the difficulty of your lightsaber check. Yeah. And you don't even have to make it two ranks. You could just you could stack it up to the point that you're all downgrading, 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 downgrading. Uh-huh. So it's oh one purple for me, thank you. Ha <laughs> ha You
0: You know? because if you get <laughs> just, that good That yeah. means that it just that means that at that point you're also counteracting uh, adversary talents as well. Potentially, yes. Maybe that's too good, <laughs> and that was that was actually one of the things that I that I, I I uncovered with running it as two of them It's just is that okay if, if whatever the adversary is it's adding it's now adding a purple die, yeah, because you upgrade the check once. Well, if there's nothing left to upgrade, then you start adding purple dice and upgrading those, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's tended to work out pretty well. Uh, one of the things that I actually uh, came up with for one of my PCs, Lord Scourge, um, spoiler alert in case anyone hasn't played the game, but it's been out for several years now, so too bad. Um, Lord Scourge is a former Sith Lord. In fact, he is the Emperor's Wrath. Um, he's a dark side character. <laughs> So that when that person activates force powers, they want black dice. <laughs> yeah, they want they want the black pips, don't they? They want the black pips. Interesting. That that, that has that has been really interesting. It's been really interesting because seeing like, okay, you're playing a character where the odds of you rolling black is better, but the odds that you'd roll doubles is much lower.
2: Yeah. And it's that's the thing, there's the same number of there's the same number of white pips as black pips on the die. Yep. You, there's just more black faces. So yes. it's again
0: the dark side is quicker, easier, more seductive. Yeah, it's got a lot of low level. He it, he, it makes for a lot of low level, so, but yeah, and yet successful roles, but also not quite enough force points to always do what you want to do. Yep. So it's really interesting to see this Sith Lord who's joined the light side effectively who's still got some pretty mean leanings to have to call on Strain and Destiny to get additional power points to activate the powers the way they want them to <laughs> the Sith Lord to call on the light side to, to pick up that Silhouette 2 object and hit that opponent with it yes it's, it's fun, I like it, it's pretty cool yeah. and anyone who's played him has had, had, had a good time with him
2: uh, we're going to have a ball, I, I wouldn't mind throwing down for that game man, I would love to play that
0: I would love to have you in it, man. (sighs) Perhaps that is one of those wink-wink-nudge-nudge game sessions of (laughs) meet me in the parlor in two hours. I know, I
2: just feel like a dick for doing that, because I can game with you whenever I want.
0: Technically. We can run it online, it ain't no thing. But, but, but see, there's there's the deal, and there it is. There it is with anyone else that is out there, like um, Dono or 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 Rikoshi or, or 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 any number of people who I I am in the community with. Yes, we can play online. We can totally fire up Roll Twenty and we can run it at any point. But you're physically there as someone who's had to play a campaign and include one of my best friends in it remotely for. Three freaking years now. Actually, longer, seven years. I'm just taking three years because that's the campaign he's in with me right now. I look forward to October when Al- my buddy Alex from Atlanta finally moves home. Yeah, I cannot wait for him to be here again because there is something completely different about being in the same room as the person and just it's it's that physical connection. Internet is fine. Internet is great, but it's it's the physical connection con- and 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 that sense of. Belonging and and camaraderie there, you know. Yeah, I hear you. It's great talking to you, and it's great being and doing the show with you, man. But you came up to Boston; it was ex- it was awesome to be there and so just that's hang some, out, that's with you, have dinner. And that's that
2: something you have not thought about yet. Will we actually be able to get any physical games in together, or will we be too physically inebriated to do
0: so? that that actually that is true as as my wife wanted to point out before I started into the show she uh said don't forget to tell them that i haven't been able to train your liver properly <laughs> we, I haven't think- had, we we haven't have been able to have you have enough binge nights where you've built up a tolerance so
2: i think i think we're going to shoot for saturday morning having you like is your wife coming or is it just you Unfortunately, she cannot. Okay. okay, it's just me. Okay, so then, then in that case, Saturday morning, we're gonna, we're, you're gonna wake up, and your liver is gonna be sitting in bed next to you, smoking a cigarette. What's up? <laughs> <sighs> what did you do to me last night? The hell were you thinking? <laughs> oh wait,
0: you weren't. You weren't. <sighs> yeah, I'm just gonna stay here today. Good luck. <laughs> no, no, no. You you toddle on. I'm gonna. Sit here watching my stories click. <laughs> Turn on the TV. <laughs> uh, better find yourself a dialysis machine. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Dude. <laughs> I'll come back and there'll be a note. Mailed myself home. <laughs> uh, See you Monday. <laughs> God. Uh, I tried to stay as, as late as I possibly could on Sunday. Oh, I, I'm,
2: I'm spending the night. Um, but, but obviously, um, taking off, uh, uh fairly
0: early Monday morning. So. Yep. Yep.
2: There is that.
0: Yeah. I think my flight's at like five or six or something. So I'll be able to stick around the con until about three. Mm, okay.
1: Yeah.
2: <sighs> All right. Well,
0: I, I, I need to go. <laughs> yeah. So do I. I, I, I have, I have one hell week of work. And then I'm on vacation. I know it. I know it. It's and, then, and then we're on. And then we're on countdown to uh, takeoff. Woo! Yay! I just have to figure out how I'm getting there from the airport. <laughs> shuttle. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm. I'm at the Marriott, so I'm sure they've got some shuttle thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, gamer nation. Good night. Peace out.